All right, what's going on, everybody? John on here with you. I'm alongside Alec Nava. He's going to be joining in here. I'm going to give you the starting lineups first, and then we'll go across everything. This puck drop is just a few minutes away. So for the Minnesota Wild, there's Ryan Hartman, Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, Jacob Middleton, and Jared Spurgeon. Freddie Goudreau, Marcus Johansson, Matt Boldy, Jonas Brodin, and Matt Dumba. Sam Steele, Marcus Foligno, Gustav Nyquist with John Merrill and Brock Faber. Connor Dewar, Brandon Domain, and Ryan Reeves. And Philip Gustafson should be the starting netminder. And for the Dallas Stars, it sounds like this. Rope Hintz, Jason Robertson, Joe Pavelski with Ryan Suter and Miro Haskinen. Max Domi, Mason Marshman, Tyler Sagan with Essel Lindell and Yanni Hockenpah. Wyatt Johnson, Jimmy Benn of Guinea Dodonov with Thomas Hartley and Colin Miller. And Luke Lendenning, Redick Foxa and Ty Delandria with Jake Ottinger in net. So there's only one other thing that we have to talk about as far as injuries are concerned. There's a few of them on the Minnesota side. Joel Eriksson-Eck, John Klingberg, and Oscar Sundquist will not be available for today's game. And in for Minnesota is the Minnesota prospect of the Golden Gophers, Brock Faber. He's going to be playing game one of this series, which should be a really good one, Alec, between the Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars as we're going to be at American Airlines Center. Live in our action right now, it is 23 seconds left to go. This is ESPN2 between Carolina and the New York Islanders. Carolina is up by a goal, and it's just a timeout on the other end for Lane Lambert's squad. Long story short, as we enter this game between Minnesota and Dallas, the stars are finally aligning. It's about to get wild. Whether this take be taken as a punt or not, you guys decide how it goes, but... This is the second time they're meeting at the playoffs, the only other time in 2016. The Stars won that in six games. Though six players remain for that series, Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, Roddick Fox, who was a rookie back then, and then Jonas Brodin, Matt Dumba, and Jared Spurgeon remain for Minnesota. And I'm going to get to your point in just one second, Alec, because we got 10 seconds left to go in between the Islanders and Carolina. There's a battle on the right corner. Carolina's still with it. They're killing some time. And they're going to take game one at PNC, 2-1. to one. It's a tight one, but Carolina takes a one nothing lead in the series. What a tight defensive battle in that game. And before this game, there was... The dilemma on who's going to get the nod and net for yeah. Carolina. Freddie Anderson has looked rather pedestrian this season, and Auntie Ranta had, had clearly superior numbers. So Rod Brennamore decided to go with Ranta in net. He started every, nearly every game in last year's playoff run for Carolina before suffering that injury in Game Seven against New York. And then coming into this game, he gets the nod in net. Answer the call with 24 saves out of 25. Ilya Sorokin, not too shabby in his first playoff game since, I believe, game six of the first round in 2021 against the Penguins. He had 35 saves, and he was definitely keeping the Islanders in this game, in this tight battle. Expect this to be a low-scoring series the rest of the way. Yeah, I don't think, Alec, between you and I, and at least maybe a lot of the other viewers that do watch hockey, there's not really going to be any surprises in this series. I still think even the one that we're covering now and the one that we just watched, I think both of these could potentially go seven. I think so, too. Maybe a possible upset watch if you're talking about the Islanders' perspective, mm -hmm. because the Islanders, they have been here before, and they know a thing or two about upsets, because they upset the Washington Capitals, they upset the Philadelphia Flyers in 2020. 
and they upset the Pittsburgh Penguins and Boston Bruins in 2021. On their way to Final Four runs where they matched up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lost both of those series, but they gave the Bolts a run for their money. Yes. And we're starting to see the players come out of the tunnel at American Airlines Center. Alec, admittedly for this one, I'm so thrilled to have you with me for opening out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But honestly, I think between all the series, and I'm not going to say a disparaging remark between the other seven teams that are available, this is probably one of those ones, if I'm thinking just off the top of my head, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, probably is the series that has the fewest amount of eyeballs on it in between Minnesota and Dallas, but yet I think this could be one of the most intriguing. Because it's one of the more defensively sound matchups that we're seeing here, and most people, they don't really pay attention to defensive matchups. These are more of the underrated matchups that you see here. Because both of these defenses, they block a lot of shots. Yeah. Especially when it comes to Minnesota. Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen block over two shots a game. Jake Middleton is right nearby that corner, 1.96. Not to mention guys like Matt Dumba, Alex Goligoski, and John Merrill are at one and a half block shots a game around that point. Dallas is not that far behind. Dallas is not that far behind in any defensive stat, let alone any offensive stat. They're top five in power play. They're number three in penalty kill, number seven in goals for, and number three in goals against. Dallas can do a little bit of everything, but as you know, Alec, on the other side from Minnesota, Minnesota makes every team play their style. This could be physical, punishing, and very bruising. Very, especially since they've embraced a sandpaper type of lineup especially when they load up the bottom six with guys like Ryan Reeves, Connor Dewar, Brandon Duhame, and Mason Shaw. He was out, he's out for the rest of the year of a torn ACL, but when he was in the lineup, he has been bruising. So I'm really looking forward to this again, Alec. As I said, I'm glad to have you along. We are just underway in puck drop here at American Airlines Center in the Minnesota Wild. We're going to start with it first. They're in the white and the forest green in the pants, the the victory green, as it's called, for the Dallas Stars as they're at home right now. We imagine American Airlines Center is going to immediately be rocking. Esselin Dell will fire one near the right side of the wall, and this will be quickly played out by Freddie Gaudreau as he had to elude a hit, and this is sent back down to Jake Ottinger. Boy, oh boy, what a coming out party it was for Jake Ottinger last year. It's hard to imagine he can play just as good in his second year in the postseason, but we will find out as Dallas has this in the defensive end now. And here's a clear off of it, and Jason Robertson will send it in. Rope Hans will be the first to get to it. As we always talk about, the first line for Dallas is very dangerous, but what's make them better now is every line can attack. Here's a quick shot there by Rope Hintz, and this one just goes wide as this gets picked up now by Minnesota in their own end, and they'll play the pass across. We are at 18.55 left to go in this first period. John Underwood on the play-by-play -play alongside Alec Nava and Kohler. We can even switch off if he wants to on that side as this is flipped in by Dallas, and they'll try to get this around their own end boards. They'll be going right to left here in this first period. This here is a race for the port, and it's uh, Brock Faber that's going to pick up the puck. Now, how exciting. This one's going to be iced. It's an exciting first career playoff game. Both, not only for Brock Faber, but also Philip Gustafson. He's getting the nod in net tonight. Now, there was a dilemma for Minnesota on who to start. Do they go with the veteran Marc-Andre Fleury, or do they go with the uh, young man up-and-coming Philip Gustafson? They decided to go with Gustafson. He's riding the hot hand heading into the playoff series, even though Fleury has a playoff pedigree with three Stanley Cups to his name. 
as you said, Alec, on that side, there is some things to think about there. But Philip Gustafson, no doubt, throughout the regular season, he's best. He's been the best goaltender for Minnesota, has he not? Without a doubt, three shutouts this season with a twenty-two ninety-seven record, point nine three one save percentage, and a two point one zero goals against average. That is nothing to look over. Yeah, when you think about it, you have Jake Ottinger and Gustafson on both ends. So you have elite goaltending, elite defense, and you have some scoring from Dallas. But Minnesota, over their last stretch, they were able to stay pretty hot. I remember a couple months ago before that, they were just below WC2. And now they took the third spot because the Avalanche just stole the central from everybody. As this is a race for the puck now for Ryan Suter, but he gets elbowed off the puck now. And this is picked up near the right side of the red line as it's spun back around. Be collected now by Dallas and Jason Robertson as he hit over the 100-point mark. He sends it around the right side inboards, and Dallas tries to get this out of the uh, defensive end, and they'll start this again. Haskinen gains the entry, and this is just stick-dragged away. And Dallas will go ahead and Peter DeBoer's squad take some changes. The same thing for Dean Evison's as this is a little bit of a tenuous start, but you imagine both of these teams are very physical, very punishing, as we said, and the defense should be alive and well, although it's going to be interesting to see for me, Alec, on this side, if Dallas can find their offense. Again, I know it's a different team from last year, but with Rick Bonus's squad, they were just struggling, even though they made it to Game 7 against Calgary. Here comes a shot over toward the left side of the wall, and that one gets fired wide, but they didn't score a lot. They played a lot of shell. And now we'll see what they can do against Minnesota now in the first round of the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs opening night. Minnesota now has this in their own end. Philip Gustafson will take a look at it. This here's a long outstretch pass that gets bounced off of one of the Minnesota Walden. Jake Ottinger will play this pass across and solve some body contact as Esselindell will play the pass forward. Jamie Benn lost it for a moment. As this gets recollected by Minnesota, fired in across the red line. Jake Ottinger will take a look at it. As this is picked up now by Marcus Johansson, I wasn't sure that he was going to even be available for this. He took that big hit against the Winnipeg Jets in Game 81 side. As this goes D to D, now put in deep toward the left side red line where Dallas can collect again. And Jamie Benn, he's had a one hell of a resurgent year. He's over 70-something points going into this game right now. As this is retreated back in the own end for Spurgeon and Dumba. That's the usual defensive pairing for Dean Evison's squad. And this is spun around by Kirill Kaprizov and then gained across the red line. Jake Ottinger will play it. Here's a good opportunity in the middle of a slot off the one tee. And Ottinger makes the first good save of the game as Max Domi and one of the Wild have a meeting. Yeah, pushing him shut between Domi and Kirill Kaprizov early on as Kaprizov got that grade A look early on. The first good chance for Minnesota. To get on the board here, Jake Ottinger met him. He has five shutouts heading into the postseason. Certainly a good year for the young netminder, the native of Lake Mill, Lakeville, Minnesota, the excerpt right nearby the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And he's excited to go up against the Minnesota Wild in the first round, especially since the, the Wild are his neighborhood team. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. I imagine Dallas, they have the tools to be able to make a deep postseason run. No disrespect to Minnesota on that end, but they have to get around Minnesota in this first round, and we imagine this is going to be a series that at least goes six. I would have to say that, as this is collected off of the faceoff one, and there's a long shot. That cascades off the right side of the glass, and Dallas try to get this out of their own end, and this gets recollected now. Merrill will make this pass across again. No John Klingberg, the former Dallas star, now plays for Minnesota, but he's off tonight with an injury. 
as this is wrapped back around by Hintz and then recollected by Minnesota as they'll get this across the uh, player's bench with Kirill Kaprizov. He's stuck in his own end as Tyler Sagan is the long four checker here and he'll spin away. 15.45 left to go in the first. Drone under with you alongside Alec Navas. Kirill Kaprizov gains the entry by himself and this right in the breadbasket of Jake Ottinger. Second time that Kaprizov has tested Ottinger, maybe this is on the same shift that he's on, and I believe it is on the same shift. Though when you speak of Jason Robertson, the fellow rookie class of 2021, and, and the guy who got one Calder Trophy vote, it's amazing to me how he set the single-season record for most points in, in Stars franchise history in a single season, and Mike Madonna didn't even cross the 100-point barrier. And you think about that, I think the Minnesota North Stars, uh, Dino Cicerelli, former Red Wing on that side, he's a very, very good list, Alec. I mean, he's going to be one of the best Dallas Stars ever, I think, if he stays healthy. I know he's very young, and I know that's lofty praise, but he really is that good. Oh, yeah, you talk about Robertson. He is good. Probably he can retire as one of the better Dallas Stars in yeah. franchise history. Maybe one day, if his career goes like this, he can get a banner over at the hangar, AAC. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, Alec, because this is a slap shot and solved. That was Sam Steele that let it go. We get a stoppage with 15-24 in the first. The one thing that concerns me about Minnesota is their center depth, especially with Joe Erickson yeah. out with that injury and being listed as week to week. I'm not sure if he's going to come back in time at some point in this first-round series, but Sam Steele in the lineup in Erickson X place and this third line maybe could be some insurance. Yeah, you're talking about testing depth. Again, there is no depth issues for Dallas, but you're exactly right. Joel Erickson Eck, even if he's not really a goal scorer, he's one of the better defensive forwards in that part of the 200-foot game, and Minnesota's really going to need that. As this gets collected now, here's a great back pass, and Robertson fired one. I'm not sure if Gustafson got a piece of that off the shoulder. If I hit the right side of the bar, I think I hit his shoulder. As this is dumped in off the slap shot and sent back around where Minnesota will collect it. It's three shots to one in favor of Minnesota. Here they come again. Kirill Kaprizov has a couple, and this gets taken away from Robertson. Fired right at the net, and that took a crazy bounce off the post and stayed out. And that just seemed to be a shot almost from 100 feet as this gets recollected now by Dallas. And Dallas hopefully can settle this down here with Thomas Harley, part of the third line defense. And this will be recollected now toward the red line. As this is a little bit of a crazy bounce here a couple times between these teams. And now Minnesota tried to send it back to deep at the candle of the blue line. 14-15 left to go in the first. It's four shots to one in favor of the Wild. Again, the Wild are a very good team. Make no mistake about that. But between this uh, center, uh, Central 2, Central 3 matchup, this is about as good as it gets. And this is going to be an absolute buzzsaw. You wouldn't want to play either one of these teams in the first round. As this gets collected now by Dumba off his stretch pass. And Minnesota trying to pick this up off the backhand. Ryan Reeves will send it across as Minnesota has it now near the right side of the dot. This will be collected by Dewar, but he gets canceled off the puck there. Jamie Benn throws a quick check out as Minnesota is bringing the physicality now near the left side post, but this will fall back to Benn. Ben now will take his time as Dallas tries to go right to left. They'll gain the red line, and Gustafson will save it from 100 feet. I'll tell you, Gustav Nyquist was so close to making this a one nothing game in favor of Minnesota. That took a wild bounce. Felt like the puck was playing pinball all around there off the post. I, I don't know if it 
as Nyquist turns around. Off of Ottinger, off the post. Maybe off of Ottinger again and stayed out. Yeah, that just... Oh, it went off the right side of his glove and hit the right side of the bar. And stayed out. That's... Oh, my goodness. That was so close, dude. <laughs> Getting the first goal of that game. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the most uh, ridiculous things that we can see as we go to break. So, what are your thoughts right now? Again, early. I'm not going to just say thoughts for the game here, but... Give me your thoughts in between Dallas and Minnesota. What do they need to do to win this series? This is not the same Dallas team that has that is basically a one-line team all of last year. This Dallas team has scoring depth up and down the lineup. You can It's not only just Robertson, Hintz, and Pavelski. You can count on guys like Mason Marchment, Max Domi, Jamie Benn, who has had a resurgence and getting 78 points this year and 33 goals as well. Why Johnson tying the rookie lead in goals at 24. And they brought in Evgeny Dadanov from Montreal to bolster that third line. Ty Delandria is also a good defensive-minded forward who can also bring some offense to this game. So that offensive game there is is right for the taking for Dallas. Now Minnesota, you don't have Joel Erickson Eck, who's fourth on the team in points with 61 and 23 goals there. But in the time when Karol Kaprizov was out, Matt Boldy scored 13 goals in his absence. So there's one guy that stepped up for Minnesota, and, and the sophomore is looking to capitalize off of that. Plus, he got the addition of Brock Faber to the lineup. He's down there with John Merrill in the third defensive pairing. He, and he's going to be relied upon after that runner-up appearance for the Minnesota Golden Gophers in the national championship where Minnesota lost to Quinnipiac. And when you're talking about Matt Boldy on the other end, again, he signed that seven-year, uh, $49 million contract, and he's a really good player, and Bill Guerin tried to capitalize on that early, and I think he made a great decision on that. He should be a good player for years to come. Even if he goes somewhere in between the top six and the bottom six, I think he'll make his progression to the top six as a mainstay. So Meryl Haskin in now as this goes toward the red line, and then try to get recollected by Tyler Sagan, but it's going to be a race for the puck, and this will be picked up here by Boldy, as Boldy trying to keep this alive off of the forehand, and this will go back to Marcus Johansson. Now D to D, here for the Wild, as Dumbo lets one go, and Ottinger's been seeing a lot of vulcanized rubber early, as that one goes off his left pad, and this will be picked up now by Haskinen, toward the Bud Light logo here for the Dallas Stars, that's one of their sponsors, as this is sent in now by Matt Dumba. Matt Dumba and Jared Spurgeon out there for Dean Evison squad. It's nothing, nothing. 12.40 left to go in this first. Drone on here with you alongside Alec Nava. He's been gracious to join me here for game one. We'll see about the weekend part of it. I might have a actual assignment. I have to be on location, so I'll have to let him know late about that. If we can be available for Seattle and Colorado. Thinking about that one on the weekend. There's this collected now by Kaprizov, and he'll fire one toward the right side of the wall and sent back down. Minnesota will race for it in their own end. Icing will be negated as somebody absolutely got smoked on the other end. Spurgeon was able to get it out. The captain sends it across to the forwards as Minnesota has this now in their own end. Nice patient play toward the right side wall. Now in behind the office of Ottinger as this is sent for Kaprizov, and that one goes just to the right of the blue paint. And sent back around by Brock Faber. Got to be wondering if he's feeling the butterflies a little bit. Playing for the hometown team. As this gets collected now by Robertson. 
Robertson and Faber. They will collide. Robertson trying to get this puck, but this will be picked up by Minnesota momentarily, but the job's not done near the right side of the boards as Minnesota will get a chance to collect. It's just five shots to two as it feels like this first period's breezing right along right now, but that doesn't mean we wouldn't have any extracurricular. Remember the first game I covered last year went into triple overtime, and it was Evgeny Malkin that played hero against the Rangers in game one. As this one gets fired toward the left side of the wall, and recollected by Minnesota. This is a nice flip into the neutral zone, and they can safely gain the red line and wrap it around Ottinger. Ottinger will safely send it now to the Dallas Stars on the defensive side, picked off and toward the player's bench, and flip back down the ice. This is Dallas trying to go right to left now, as this is a big pass that is collected by Jamie Benn, now off the skates. As this goes off of uh, Pavelski and a couple other parts of the lines, and now Harley is the last one to try to get to it as Minnesota will spin back, but Thomas Harley will pick it off and wrap this around the inboards. Ryan Reeves will get a piece of it as Minnesota now trying to get it out of their own end, but Jamie Ben does an excellent job holding that blue line, and Philip Gustafson will have to take a look at it as there's a delayed offside and sent back down the ice. Ottinger will safely play this here to Asselindell. Esselindell now with a 50-foot pass as this just eludes Mason Marchman. We'll go back to the captain, Jared Spurgeon, as we're getting dangerously close to the first half of the first period. This is opening night in the NHL playoffs right now as this flips up into almost the netting, but it's still live as this goes back to Mason Marchman. And now a big outlet pass, and Middleton was able to throw a hit that took one of the Dallas Stars momentarily off the puck, but they're able to avoid the massive contact. And now Minnesota has this in their own end. They'll settle it down as some of the forwards get a change. Mason Marchment is the lone forechecker here for Dallas. Rope hints now on the ice as part of the first line here. Minnesota still on their own end as they're spinning around with Kirill Kaprizov. They'll drop it back there, Boldy Kaprizov. Kaprizov will chip and chase this now near the left side, trying to get around a hit there for Dallas. And Dallas will recollect in their own end. Robertson with a skip pass. Rope Hintz trying to turn on the Jets and toward the left side of the boards, but Minnesota will get a chance to recollect it now. Gains the red line. Here's an open pass. It's Matt Zuccarello. He's trying to look for a centering pass in the slot. And this is spun around the inboards here where Jake Ottinger will take a look at it on the stand-up. This goes back D to D. And now Harley will get this across as we are past the midway point. About 9.05 left to go in this fast-moving first period. Again, John out here with you alongside Alec Nava as we're at American Airlines Center. We're still scoreless as this is picked up now by Minnesota in the neutral zone. Flip back down, Jake Ottinger had this bounce off the big goal stick. Sam Steele was the lone forechecker out there trying to keep this in. And Minnesota will just toward the left side of the blue line as this is still worked there by Steele. And Harley will send this back to his defense, and this will be recollected now by Roddick Foxa. Foxa will pick this up now. Harley was a little bit on the forecheck, but this will fall back to Minnesota. Minnesota with a long outstretch pass from about 70 as this gets recollected by Thomas Harley. Harley will take a look, and behind the net as the ref jumps out of the way of the long pass, Ty Valandria able to get out of the way of it as well, but it falls back into Dallas's end. Now into the neutral zone, and toward the red line, Minnesota able to create a steal near the left side of the wall, have to spin and pivot to get away from a hit, and we get the whistle. Won't play dead at 8.08. I stick. I believe there's going to be a penalty here against someone, but this feels like a low-event defensive-minded game as I was pointing out, and yes, it is Jamie Benn, the captain, to the box. So Minnesota will be heading to the power play 
when we head right back into this. So once we get into the end of the first, I will flip my feed to see if I can get a little bit better of a clearer picture. Again, no problems as far as the uh, streaming side. Just want to make sure I can see a little bit more in HD, maybe, because it's a little blurry on that side. What I was going to say, as far as the power play part of it, again, it's fifth for Dallas at 25%. It's 15th, about middle of the pack there for the Minnesota Wild. We will see how they'll do with the first fan advantage. We know exactly what the plan of attack is, Alec. It's get Kirill Kaprizov the puck and let him uh, make plays, and we'll see if they can do that against the Dallas Stars and Jake Ottinger. I agree with you. It's been a little bit low event, but Jake Ottinger's had to make a couple uh, pretty inconspicuous bounces saves. He got some help in the post, but I think Minnesota so far has been the better of the teams at 808 in the first. And I wonder what adjustments Peter DeBoer has to make as the game goes along here. But so far, so good for Dean Evison's team. I would think so. So we do, again, as we just join you for this one, we had the final 2-1 Hurricanes. We called the last 20 seconds of that. And the Bruins right now, they are in a good spot in TD Garden. They lead 3-1 over the Panthers. I liked Matthew Kachuk's quote. I know some people will sit here and say that you shouldn't just be so honest. As a journalist on my side, or at least that's what I went to school for, I appreciate the side of the fact that he said we pretty much need to play a perfect game and not have any mistakes if we want to beat the Boston Bruins. He wasn't nonchalant about it. He just said what he felt honestly. Yeah, that's his honest opinion about it. And even though he has the lone goal for Florida, it's, it's pretty much all Boston otherwise, but not exactly all Boston because Alex Lyon, he has been tested in his first career playoff start. And it's his first games, and Boston's giving him a welcome to the playoffs moment with three goals. Though two of them weren't exactly his fault, but that second one was one that he should have had. I saw the one that flubbed off his right uh, glove that you were talking about, but I also saw in the first period he made two sla saves sliding over to the left part of the crease and the right part of the post that probably should have went in as well. Teller Bertuzzi is very happy to be playing some playoff hockey as he set up the first. Oh, yeah, those one-timers that line has been yeah. saving. Yeah, there's been some good ones there. As Minnesota gets an opportunity and Jake Ottinger makes the save, they still have a minute 36 left to go on their power play. But, yeah, no, Alex Lyon, he's going to be tested. And I'll be interested to see how far the leash is going to be for Paul Maurice's squad because Sergei Bobrovsky hasn't been lighting the world on fire either. In a perfect world, he would be your go-to guy for the playoffs, but he hasn't been doing that much in Florida. And he hasn't looked exactly as himself recently. No, he has not. So Minnesota wins the draw. And here comes the slap shot into the trap. It goes up the left side of the wall. Is this knocked down? I believe Matt Zuccarello. And this is sent back down where this will be recollected here by the captain. And now Minnesota's got it. And Jared Spurgeon looking to create something as they'll throw it back. Usually when they do that, this means Kirill Kaprizov is going to try to get into the rush on himself. Gets now to the right side of the wall. As Kirill Kaprizov now being worked over to the right side of the boards. And Dallas will spin this back around for Yanni Hockenpah. I thought he might actually be scratched. They had some interesting line combinations there for Dallas. But again, when we get into the postseason like we are now, everything's pretty much hush-hush as far as who's healthy and who's going to be playing. 
as this is sent around high. This will go point to point here for Boldy and now Matt Zuccarello. Zuccarello stays patient for Kirill Kaprizov behind the net. Now Matt's has it near the right face-off dot as this will be collected now by Boldy. He tried to look for a centering feed for Marcus Johansson, but this will fall back to the defense. Minnesota still got 25 seconds left to go on the man advantage as Marcus Johansson takes a hit near the right side of the glass and Dallas will flip it down. Philip Gustafson will leave it here for Jonas Brodeen. Brodeen has a chance to play with the puck a little bit now as he sends it across to Ryan Hartman. A little bit of a down year, but we know what he can do, especially in the playoffs. He can score you some timely goals and give you some defense. Frederick Goudreau spins this around as this gets bouncing between the stick of Hawk and Paw. And now Dallas has this in their own end, and they'll just safely chip this away out of the glasses. Here comes the other captain, Jamie Benn, number 14. He's back on the ice. He was providing the lone forecheck before he gets set to go ahead and take a change. You get the fresh lines out there. Freddie Gaudreau gets us across the red line as this is picked up by Jake Ottinger. This will pinball a little bit. Dallas trying to get a, a reaching poke check, but this will be Minnesota, and they'll send this deep in the own zone. Again, no score here with 535 in the first. It's seven shots to five. Again, Minnesota seems to have the better of the play, but as Alex said, you could talk about it being a low event, and I wouldn't disagree, but hopefully we'll see some things pick up. But if it stays this way, you got to think it's that's advantage Minnesota. That's exactly what they want to do. Robertson off the drop pass. Robertson off the give and go. And this one from Pavelski gets blocked out in front as this gets recollected now by Minnesota. One of the stars blows a tire, and they'll just chip one in toward the right side of the Faceoff dot, and this will be sent back around by Felino. But nobody's there right now for Minnesota. I think the back end D was on a change as we had 4.55 left to go in the first. This will be slammed in across the red line now as Harley tries to gain the entry. Dallas will center this to the blue paint before this gets picked off by the Wild. It's a two-on-two. And trying to put this across the line is Dumain, and this will go right into the catching glove. Connor Dewar also taking a look at this, and there's some words being exchanged when we get a stoppage of 441. Yeah, not a lot of pushing and shoving there, unlike in that first go-around between Domi and Kaprizov. But Minnesota had that chance to get on the board there after Nyquist rang the pipe after that puck went out of Ottinger's glove. And Kaprizov is now up to three shots in this game. So there's that for Minnesota. There's that going in their favor. Little scoring update over at Boston here. It's Garnet Hathaway getting the Boston Bruins up 4-1. to one. He has this with Charlie Coyle and Tomas Nosek. So it's as expected right now for Game 1. I still say this. The only thing that would be a true shock in the first round of the playoffs is if the Panthers beat the Bruins. I'm not insinuating that's going to happen. Out of respect of Brandon Montour and Matthew Kachuk and some of those other players, I could say that the Panthers can get it to six games, but the Bruins are just too loaded in between offense, defense, and you have two good goaltenders in Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman. It's going to be a very tall task for Florida. It is. <clears throat> so, yeah, when we go through that, you imagine... I don't think that it's going to happen. That's probably one of the upsets that you can't call. Alec and I talked about it a little bit in the open as far as uh, the Hurricanes and the Islanders. I was flipping a coin on that one. I still took the Hurricanes in seven. I think that that's going to be a long series. The one thing, and I know Alec reached out with me about this as far as the Kings and Oilers, maybe covering that game, one the only reason 
I stepped away from that one, Alec, tonight as I saw no Gabe Villiardi and no Kevin Fiala for the Kings. They may miss multiple games, and that's not good for Los Angeles. It's not, and if those two are out for an extended period of time, this series might might be getting ugly for L.A. Yeah, and that was the one thing, because I, I said if there was health, I would take the Kings in seven, but if it's not, I'm going Oilers in six on that side, and that's just how much Villardi and Fiala can mean, and there is no mistake about that. Is this a good flipped uh, and cleared by Ottinger and sent back down the ice in Minnesota? We'll get a chance to... Have this puck one more time. Got about 4.25 left to go in the scoreless first frame. Not so many shots right now, but this defensive intensity. Again, we've seen Dallas play like this all last year in the playoffs against Calgary. That was a scintillating seven-game series, and the only reason it went seven is because of Jake on that side. But Dallas needs to be able to find some offense against Minnesota because they like to... Uh, Lock and key, shut it down, and throw it away in the jail cell. And we'll see if they can continue to do that. Although there's still tons of time left to go in this game. And as you know, in between the playoffs, it is uh, continuous overtimes until we get a goal, if we even get to that point. As is still 345 in the first. We are at American Airlines Center. John on here alongside Alec Nava. As it's recollected by Dallas. And here's a chance for Joe Pause. We'll try to get in the entry. I'll drop it here for... Robertson and now it's Lundell, and this takes a couple of crazy bounces off of the traffic in front, and this will be recollected here by the former Red Wing, Luke Lundenning. They'll spin this around the left side of the red line. Essie Lundell will take a look at it as this will be sent back down, and this will be iced against Minnesota, so they can't change. So now they're trapped there. Dallas is in a scoring opportunity after that icing there. So this is an opportunity for them to score first. So after Minnesota having countless chances, and Dallas probably with the chance to get on the board first here. And as you said, with Karol Kaprizov, he was the one that had three opportunities. That's the guy you want shooting the puck. If you're Minnesota, it's going to be Tyler Sagan set to take the draw against Freddie Gaudreau. Still 3-1 the score line here for Boston and Florida with 2.39 left to go. That one is on ESPN. Uno, if you want to call it that side. We're watching this one on ESPN2 as this is recollected now by Minnesota. Minnesota now will gain the red line and flip this in as we've hit the three-minute mark of the first. Matt Boldy will take a look, but he doesn't want to throw the hit out as Mason Marchman gets a chance to collect off the backhand. Here's a good chance with some good speed, and here's a bouncing puck, and here's a stick that gets taken out of the hands, but this will go back for Minnesota the other way. It's a three-on-three. Three. Good drop pass toward the right side. Doc, great move. Falling down was one of the wild trying to make a play. And this will be Miro Haskinen now. Haskinen trying to send this across to the forward, and this will be shot up and out of play with 231. Good defensive play by Dallas to shut down Matt Boldy on that offensive opportunity. And Miro Haskinen, just streaking down on the ice on the right side, trying to get that chance up going. He's going to, he's a do-it-all defenseman for Dallas, and he's showing why. The scoring isn't there yet for either side, but he's going to, of course, him being selected third overall in his draft was no fluke. Nope, but when you talk about it, I always bring that up in the sense of Haskinen, Ottinger, and Robertson all in that same draft by Jim Nill. That is how you set your team up to new sites, and obviously Dallas 
They want to have dreams of that Stanley Cup. They've got a long way to go to get there, but they certainly have a team that has the capabilities of it. But this is going to be a tough series, as we said. And now Wyatt Johnson, he's one of those young guns that can certainly bring some pain. And now Suter will recollect as the ref gets out of the way to the left side of the red line. Here's a chance in the high slot. Good setup for Dallas. And the slap shot goes just wide near the left side of the red line. It's eight shots to six as the Stars will recollect. Now they'll have a chance in their own end as this will pinball off the left side boards and this will be iced. 149. Oh, and you go back to Dallas possibly being a Stanley Cup contender. This is a complete this is a complete team. Yeah. It's not like 2020 where they had at a random Stanley Cup final run. And it, this is a complete team. They have the scoring depth up and down the lineup as we point out. The defense is there. In that you got a young netminder who can and yet who you can rely on on clutch situations. Yes, you can, and even on the back end, and again, I know Jake Ottinger's going to be playing all this game. Scott Wedgwood was a good pickup for Dallas as well. He's no slouch at the backup side. And even if you're Minnesota, when you think about Philip Gustafson and Marc-Andre Fleury, there's some really good goaltending in this series, and we'll have to see if that uh, carries the weight of the day. We always talk about goaltending being important in all eight of these series near the right side of the wall now. This goes off the outside of the cage, and the play was blown dead. They're going to rule just a high stick. So probably we'll get the official call here from the refs, on, because this is going to be a penalty as Dan O'Rourke is a slash. We got a slash. I didn't see that one, to be honest with you. It's Wyatt Johnston going in the box here for Dallas. Yeah, Johnston got that stick up on Kaprizov, yeah. and yep, that's what draws the penalty there. Right behind the net. And it is, of course, the young guy who takes the penalty. It's his first trip to the playoffs with a teenager, 19 years old. And, and sometimes you're going to have those moments. You're new to the playoffs, and you're going to learn the hard Probably you're going to learn the hard way. This is one of those moments. Yes, it is. And this is one of those situations where Minnesota's power play isn't all that great, but they still have Kirill Kaprizov. Here's Boldy now near the right side. Dot. They fire one right in toward the center of the but this is picked up by Jared Spurgeon. Now Matt Zuccarello will crisscross as Kirill's got it near the right dot. He's patient. He'll drop this back here for Spurgeon. And now it's Zuccarello. Now Spurgeon. He's still rocking that blue line side for Zuccarello. Now near the right side dot. Marcus Johansson off the outside of the cage as he gets dumped down by Kirill Kaprizov. Gets it across the circle. Spurgeon scores! Minnesota takes the lead! And the power play is costly for Dallas! There you go. Sometimes, as I mentioned, the young guy, Wyatt Johnson, taking those penalties new to the playoffs. It's his first game, and you're going to get in these situations where unfortunately you're going to have to watch your team try and kill off this penalty. They can't clear the zone. Minnesota has them trapped, and it's Jared Spurgeon. Taking that shot from the high slot, setting the screener, using Tyler Sagan as a screen, and Kaprizov may have also screened Ottinger as well. So it's one of those rare misses for Minnesota. But Minnesota has basically been the better team throughout yeah. this first period, and finally they get rewarded. Yes, I, I mean, honestly, Alec, I, I hate to just throw this out there now, but I think this game one is really big, and you want to try to figure out if you're Dallas to play the team that you've been like over the last couple months where you can score goals and not get stuck in that Minnesota trap. I really buy into that. And now they gave up the first power play, and that was a costly one. Here's Robertson as this gets fired in off the end glass and now picked up by Minnesota. They want to make sure they close out this last 20 seconds with the lead. 
And here's a long slap shot. This gets blocked out in front by traffic by the Wild. And they'll flip this across the red line as we're down to 10 seconds in the first frame. I think the goal might have been tipped by Kirill Kaprizov. That's what they're saying. Jared Spurgeon's going to get the primary apple as this goes down near the left side of the dot. And that is going to end the first period. Minnesota takes the lead on a power play. Yeah, I didn't see the deflection at first, but Kaprizov, he not only set the screen in front, but got a slight tap of the puck with his stick from Jared Spurgeon's shot. To go over to the final score, yes, indeed, the Garnet halfway goal was waved off, but no matter, it's the Boston Bruins taking game one, three to one over the Florida Panthers. But well, as far as it goes here, Minnesota up one nothing over Dallas. While I get my uh, feed and everything else reset here, Alec, do you want to do a score reset for the other games today? Yep, so we'll go over to the two earlier games here. So first off, in Raleigh. The loudest house in hockey, that's what they say in, with the Carolina Hurricanes. They take game one over the New York Islanders, two to one. So the goals by Sebastian Ajo, the one from the Hurricanes, because there is another Sebastian Ajo that plays for the New York uh, Islanders. This one for Carolina is from Finland. The one for the Islanders is from Sweden. So Finnish Ajo gets the power play goal to kick off the scoring in this first period from Brent Burns and Martin Natchez. Quick off the face-off, bang. Then over to the second period, 2.27. It's Stefan Nason redirecting the shot from Brent Burns to the point. The other assist from Natchez is second secondary assist, also on the power play. Then it's Ryan Pollock doing it all, 2.51. So that's just 24 seconds after the goal by Nason. So Pollock getting the Islanders within one, but that will be all the scoring there between both of these teams. Ilya Sorokin making 35 saves in the losing effort as Auntie Ranta, who got the nod in net before the game, over Freddie Anderson, he makes 25 saves. And as such, he gets named the first star of this game. Now over to Boston, where the Florida Panthers decide to start Alex Lyon over Sergei Bobrovsky. And in a way, that makes sense, because Lyon was heading into the postseason right into hot hand winning six of his final eight starts into the playoffs. Then, over in the first period, we start being soft. Guess what? It's a pasta party in Boston. David Pasternak on the power play from Tyler Bertuzzi and David Krejci. No Patrice Bergeron, no problem so far. Over to the second period we go, where it's Brad Marchand with his first goal of the playoffs, his 50th playoff goal of his career from Charlie McAvoy and Dmitry Orlov at 3.41 the second period. On that wrist shot, it went off of Alex Lyon's glove and right into the net. Matthew Kachuk with a great individual effort the other way to bring this within one. For the Florida Panthers, he does it all himself. 2-1 Boston. And then extend to 3-1 when it's Jake DeBrusque from Bertuzzi and Pavo Zaka. Zaka being the first line center in the absence of Bergeron. There was a bug going on in the Boston locker room, but it was ruled out for Bergeron heading into this game. Brandon Bussey, the first-string goalie for Boston, was called up from the Providence Bruins beforehand. Jeremy Swayman and Linus Olmark, they were the, their stats were in question. It was Olmark who got the nod in net. 31 saves was rising up to the occasion. And the runaway Vezina Trophy winner, as far as it goes in the Vezina ballots, most likely. He gets the win for Boston. 
So that's your Eastern Conference first round recap of these two game ones. Hurricanes and Bruins each with one nothing series leads. Thank you for that, Alec. On this side, it's a one nothing lead in our game. Again, Kirill Kaprizov got the late tip from a Jared Spurgeon shot at 19-12. We'll give you the stats in particular. He's been writing some of those down for the game story. It's 10 shots on goal to 5 in favor of Minnesota. The hits are 16-14, and you could, we could have written that one off. We knew that, Alec. It was going to be a lot of hits. And then 9 face-offs to 7 in favor of Minnesota. But the one where it matters, Minnesota got a pair of power plays. They converted on one. Dallas has yet to have a chance with the extra man. And as you mentioned, Jake Ottinger is doing everything he possibly can to keep Dallas in this game. So far, facing 10 shots to 5. And what do you notice? Stanley Cup is in the ESPN studio with Steve Levy, Mark Messier, Chris Chelios, and P.K. Subban. And I know about a thing or two about Mark Messier making guarantees. Remember back to 1994, he made that guarantee yeah. ahead of Game 6, then scoring that third period hat-trick. That series won the greatest in NHL history. Yes, it was. There's a lot of legends right now in that locker room, and there's also P.K. Subban. <laughs> oh, he, he made it to a Stanley Cup final in Nashville in his first year there, so... No. I was saying, maybe that Weber for Subban trade ended up being win-win. No, he did. He's a good humanitarian. I just mess around with P.K. Subban because he loves to always have the uh, intermissions where he talks about people's suits. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course, because... And the fits, probably to add some personality into that. Probably the same way that the inside the NBA crew talks about NBA players' fits. Yes. Most, most probably Russell Westbrook. That was an interesting game the other day. Again, I know Russell Westbrook did not shoot very well in that game for the Clippers, but it's all about the effort and the defense, and it, it kind of shocked me a little bit, honestly. I'm not going to lie that the Clippers are able to take that first game against the Suns. Maybe we have a series there, Alec. Yeah, I think we do have a series, especially with Kawhi Leonard going off our 38 points in his first game, first playoff game back. And Russell Westbrook, maybe this may come as a hunch, but every time he's up against a Kevin Durant-led team, he seems to be he's shutting down KD to yeah. perfection. That's what it's going to take, and I know that's the obvious statement, but... Again, you have to have that type of scoring from a multitude of uh, players and somehow you can get it done because you're speaking about uh, something I wanted to segue in. I don't know what Rui Hachimura ate for lunch or whatever else going into that game, but man, he was excellent off the bench as the Lakers took a big win over the Grizzlies and it was Anthony Davis and LeBron James combined for 10 blocks in that game as well. Anthony Davis, what a big turning around for him in that playoff game. It seemed as if he got injured, but he, he was all right and good to go for the rest of that game. 22 points to go, 12 rebounds, and five, and seven blocks. Yeah. yeah, seven blocks, plus three steals as well. A monster game from AD. Yeah, that's exactly what the uh, Lakers are going to need. So here's a game that we can play here really quickly, because I want to get your thoughts since we get a chance to cover a game together in the playoffs that I've been excited about. So first we'll start with the NHL, and then we'll go into the NBA side of it. But for a first-round series, do any of the top seeds give me one upset? What team can knock off one of the higher seeds? East or West, I don't care. 
So basically, in a sense of a lower seed upsetting a higher seed. Yes. So over the NHL, I think I see two of them. The Islanders over the Hurricanes, and this one may come as a surprise. The Jets over the Golden Knights. That's what I see realistically. Those two series is going to come down to goaltending. Plain and simple as that. Alec, I'm not the only one on an island when I said that. The, my main upset was uh, Jets and Golden Knights. That's interesting. The reason I say that too, again, it's it's Connor Hellebuck. And I do understand that some of the things for the Jets, again, they don't play so great on even strength. They have some minus in there for Mark, Mark Shifley. But again, I think he's got about 43 goals on the season. Those They have some really good players that get it done. And I don't think the Vegas Golden Knights can essentially walk into the fortress and think that they're easily going to sweep aside the Jets. But the Jets need to be able to win some games uh, on home ice, on the road. They don't really have good splits, but I do think Connor Hallbuck can do enough and the Jets have enough to upset the Golden Knights. So I'm glad you said it because it makes me feel somewhat smart because people were thinking I was crazy. <laughs> and you know... You're, you're actually in the right in this one because Connor Hellebuck, he, he's one of the better goaltenders in the league, top five still. Vegas, on the other hand, they have a goaltending dilemma in their hands because Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill might not be ready to start this series. And if Thompson comes back, he could be backing up Lauren Brossois, right. who's their third stringer. The other goaltender they have at their disposal, Jonathan Quick, their fourth stringer. He went from best, best North American goalie in the... Best American goalie in the league 10 years ago to fourth stringer in Vegas, and he's been on and off with the Golden Knights. Yeah, I think so too, because it's crazy. you got four different goalies, essentially, that you can go with here for Vegas, and you need to be able to lock down one, and there really hasn't been a lot of lockdown, only because, again, Logan Thompson, he's been hurt for the most part of the year, so... There, there leads some questions into there, and I think the only other one, like I said, that I that I could go in the West is the the Kings. But I took them in seven last year. The Oilers won, but again, if it's if it's no Villiardi, no Fiala, then I obviously I'm taking the Oilers in six, as that game was underway and that one's scoreless. But I want to quickly transition. Same talking point, but let's switch it into the NBA playoffs. Is there any top seeds that you think could go down to a, a bottom seed? I think it can be the Memphis Grizzlies losing to the L.A. Lakers, especially when you get to the case in which John Morant suffered that injury over in Game 1. His status for Game 2 is in serious doubt. So if he's, his shooting form is not there for the rest of the series, look out, Grizzlies. Here come the Lakers. Do -do 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 -do. Oh, wait. We're not playing Jaws because... <laughs> I, th I, think, I think the Jaws uh, thing is apropos, though, because that's the one I'm going to be in lockstep with you, and that's not just because of them already being up a game. I, I, I just don't see it there. The Lakers, they've made some good moves at the deadline there, and they seem to transform their team, and I think that that can be enough. Again, notwithstanding, it's going to have to be rested on the shoulders, obviously, of LeBron and Anthony Davis. They're going to have to play at a high level. But when you get seven blocks and three steals, like you said, from AD, LeBron gets three blocks. LeBron has another great game like you expect he does, ramp it up in the playoffs. That's a good one on that side. I'm trying to look a little bit on the East, and I know this isn't an upset, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think the New York Knicks are going to beat the Cavs. I like Jalen Brunson, and I like Julius Randle. I think they got a legit shot. This series is 
going to be close, in my opinion, because the Cavs, they rely a lot on their starting five. Mostly Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, Evan Mobley as well. You can also count Jared Allen as well, the bench. There's a lot of question marks because Karis LeBurg is on and off, and I don't know if they're going to get Lamar Stevens minutes, and we have a scoring update yes, here between the Oilers and Kings. It is the Oilers scoring first, and guess who? Leon Dreisaitl. You gotta love that, Alec, when you can just walk right in and snipe it near the dot. <laughs> yep. An easy snipe shot, setting off the feed from Jan, from Matthias Janmark. And you go over to, and going back to what I was saying about the Cavs and the Knicks, the Knicks have a deeper bench. A, a much deeper bench was Josh Hart. He's been so efficient, and he and Emmanuel Quickly are their two best players coming off the bench. That's not to mention other guys that come off the bench as well. Jericho Sims, Obi Toppin, and Miles McBride as well. Plus the veteran Derek Rose as well. Yeah, Derek Rose still going strong. I was looking to, just as we were talking about some of the NBA stuff, as we're in the middle of our intermission, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, they say that he's going to be trending in the right direction for Wednesday. We would expect that much, but I saw some of the things on social media. I also saw one of the postings up sharing about the NBA and charges and some of those other things. There was some big contact. Hopefully Giannis can continue to progress and play there because it was a big win for the Heat. But I don't think that that's going to last. I would say the ones that are probably in lockstep are at least uh, Milwaukee and Miami and Boston and Atlanta. I know that's not saying much. But if I have to go ahead, I'm not going to go ahead and give you a fourth right of Stanley Cup pick. But I will give you an NBA Finals pick. I think the uh, Boston Celtics will get it this year. I had that same thing as well. The Boston Celtics, maybe they do have the game plan to stop Giannis. Because that was seen in last year's seven-game series where they shut the Bucks down in that seventh and deciding game. Over in the West, that's when things get interesting. There are plenty of choices to choose from. You can have a Denver Nuggets team. That's why you did land a three-time MVP in Nikola Jokic. Yes. A young Grizzlies team up and coming. I have questions about John Morant. You have the Warriors looking to win their fifth in nine years. The Lakers, who are up and coming and have gotten better since the deadline. Even the Suns, who landed KD, and even the Clippers, without Paul George, they're still going strong. Yeah, they are. And the other the other team you didn't mention, I could throw that out there. They got that big win against the Golden State Warriors, the Sacramento Kings. Can they keep it alive? I know their fan base was very excited for them to win that first game. I don't think they've played a playoff game, Alec, in about 15 seasons. I mean... They have not made the playoffs throughout the entirety of the <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins playoff appearance streak. 16 years. That that's a, When you said that, that said it all in my eyes lit up. <laughs> 2006 was their last appearance in the NBA playoffs. Now that the Penguins streak is over, the, the, the longest active playoff appearance drought over the Sacramento Kings, their first playoff win is in 17 years. Well, it's good to have that because I know when I'm thinking about playoff droughts and not, not being there, I know the Tigers are there, the Angels are there, there's some teams, and, and if the Red Wings don't figure out in a couple of years, they'll probably be there as well. We do have some NBA scoring updates to give you as well. The Sixers, they take a 2 nothing series lead. This one is against the Brooklyn Nets. We'll give you the top scorers on there. Cameron Johnson, man, he had a cool 28 points on a 
11 of 19 shooting. We'll see who else. And Mikel Bridges, the other former son. Again, I understand getting Kevin Durant, but when I see Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges, those are still really good players that they let go. It's going to be a tall task for Brooklyn against Philadelphia, but I still think this is good going forward with all the players and pieces that they have. Tyrese Maxey, a 33-point game. And Joel Embiid, how about this? An absolute monster. 20 points, 19 rebounds, and 7 assists. And Tobias Harris, 20 points as well. But Embiid, 20 and 19, my goodness, my friend. There's going to be a lot of talk about the MVP debate. Because there's going to be people saying Jokic. There's going to be people saying Embiid. There's, this debate is going back and forth, and there's no clear end to this. But this is regular season. We're into the playoffs now at Embiid. But that monster 20-point, 19-rebound, 7-assist, 3-block game <laughs> to get the Sixers up to a 2 nothing series lead over the Brooklyn Nets. And one thing I noticed about the Nets is that defense can only do so much. Because right. when you, you have a good defense, you need to counter that up with a good offense as well. You're getting a defense at the expense of offense when you trade away KD and Kyrie. Yeah, no doubt about that. And again, they have to hope that, as I said, all the picks and everything else that are coming back through there for Brooklyn, that they can build it and get it done right. Because they do have a good team, but everything that Alex said was correct. And at the end of the first quarter, the Golden State Warriors, they're trying to get the split on the run in the Golden 1 center. They're up 23-17. It is uh, seven points of all people. Draymond Green has the most Warriors points, and on the other end, it's seven points for De'Aaron Fox to lead the Kings. And De'Aaron Fox, fresh up of uh, coming up the second most points for an NBA playoff debut at 38 in the first game. He's going to have to put, probably put up a similar stats. That alongside Malik Monk and his stellar play. Because Draymond Green is doing an excellent job of locking up DeMontis Sabonis. And he did so in that first game. Maybe he can replicate much of the same in that second game. So if you're the Warriors, I wonder when you're going to insert Andrew Wiggins over at the starting lineup. Yeah, they're still saying, right, that he's getting his feet underneath him. But Andrew Wiggins is somebody that he can absolutely cover both sides of the floor between offense and defense, and they need his production, Alec. Yep. And uh, now that he's back in, the playoff, in time for the playoffs, they really need him to get going. So we're taking a look now as it's going to be the start of the second period. They're showing some of the pushing and shoving. They're showing some of the play of Kirill Kaprizov here, Alec. And without a doubt, he was the best player on the ice in that first frame. No doubt there. Three shots on goal and has that deflection from Jared Spurgeon's shot for the point on the power play. Of course, it's the Kirill Kaprizov show. We'll see for the response from Jason Robertson. He's not out there on the ice to begin the second period. Instead, the Domi line to begin things. So Dumbo will send this in here for Minnesota. Again, they have the lead. And Dallas really just needs to increase that uh, workload there. they got to get things going against Minnesota. got to get more shots and test Philip Gustafson. Because again, as Alex said, he's making his first playoff start. And this is a shot immediately. Boldy lets it go, and Ottinger makes the save. That looked like a fluttering shot from Matt Boldy, the sophomore for the Minnesota Wild. It's going towards Jake Ottinger's catching glove. The Vine Peter DeBoer tied the Titan things up. 
seems that they're sending out uh, the new is a new line out there. Maybe it's the Robertson line that's getting out there. We'll see that this one because the Domi line's on the bench now. Yeah, they want to do that since they get last change. Try to settle that up now. You see Kirill Kaprizov out on the ice right now for Minnesota. He's the one that got the long goal late under the last minute on the power play. Minnesota had two opportunities, and now Dallas in the offensive end as Robertson will spin back up, and Gustafson will get this in the catching glove. That was rather more of a slow-moving shot for Jason Robertson. <clears throat> Not really much of a dangerous chance, but if I'm Robertson, it's time to turn things up. First one-point one scorer for the Dallas Stars in franchise history. Nope, they need his production. It's all that first line and everybody else. Remember last year, as you said, it was just the first line. They're going to need all that stuff if Dallas wants to get through this. And another deflection into the traffic. Good stop by Gustafson to close the five hole. There you go, Phil Gustafson getting tested by Dallas early in the second period. And, and yep, he's responding in kind here, showing why he could be a down-ballot Vezina candidate. Yes, he could. Again, if it wasn't for Linus Olmark, he'd be one of those situations. He could probably be the second or third part of it, as this is flipped off now of the outside of the cage. Rope Hintz will take a look at it, but here's a chance for Middleton. And his mustache, and immediately I'd never be able to grow one of those, Sam Steele. This bounces off a couple bodies in front, and now Dallas can quickly try to go left to right in the victory green. Now toward the right side, Hintz will spin up off the back pass as this gets sent back around by Haskin, and now it's Robo. Robo with the puck as he plays it off the window, and now here comes Minnesota, Kirill Kaprizov. He'll play this off his backhand. This will get recollected now by Felino. Felino now near the left side of the red line as this bounces off some body contact, and Felino's just being pasted back there. And now Haskinen will get a chance to recollect. Here's a good outlet pass for Dallas as Robertson holds this off the back skate, and he'll fire this in on the left side of the glass as this gets sent all the way back down the ice, and this is an ice. Chance for Dallas to get on the board here, and it's Yanni Hakampa touching up. He led the Stars in total hits this season at 224. The next closest star to that mark, Ty Delandria at 125. It's no secret that Hakampa is a heavy hitter, and he can make his presence felt, whether it be on the defensive or the offensive side of the ice, but mostly the defensive side when you look at the hit totals. And speaking to Alex Pone, we checked on the stats. In the first period, there was 30 combined hits between the two teams. Minnesota led that 16-14. to 14. This is a face-off here for the captain, see Jamie Benn. And he wins that one. He's pretty good on that part of the circle. As this gets recollected now by Dallas, but it's a fight for the puck. Kaprizov will take a look at it. He tried to peel out early, but the job's not done in the defensive end. As there's another hard hit, Asa Lindell gets taken down. But the play's still alive. This is in the middle of the slot now as Dallas gets a chance to reset there with Hockenpah. Wyatt Johnson will fire a pass, but I think it falls back to Gustafson. He'll just hold this on with a glove. First power play of the night for Dallas here. Still was that, I believe there was that stick in the lane while getting the official call from Dan O'Rourke. This is a cross check, and I think that's what I saw when one of the Dallas Stars went down. So... They, as you said, will go to the power play of the Dallas Stars, and yeah, that was Essel Lindell. Was that Hartman? Yeah, that was Hartman, the same guy that delivered a cheap shot on Nikolai Ehlers yes, in the Minnesota Wilds penultimate game of the season. Atlanta had that one-game suspension. Bone-headed move by Hartman on cross-checking Lindell from behind. That's not a, def that's not a defensive play. That was 
That was intentional. I really agree with you, Alec. I try to play it at straight down the middle. I know you do when we do all this broadcast, but I, that's just not a smart play there. See if Dallas can take advantage of it. They need something to feel good about. Robert scores! Immediately, the power play strikes! Just like that, just three seconds into the power play, Rope hits, bang! You just called it, Alec, about the situation here for Dallas trying to find some momentum. Not a great penalty by Hartman at all. And right off the face-off win, it's as simple as that. Jimmy Ben does his job. Perfect opportunity for Hintz. He's wide open in the high slot. Fires it quickly. It beats Gustafson. Honestly, a perfect shot. Might have flubbed off his glove or his pad. But it's a 1-1 game. And to add on top of that, Marcus Johansson gets used as a screen by Hintz on that quick shot. That was just a, as quick of a wrist as they can go. Probably in the 85-mile-an-hour range when you look at things going here. I don't know the accurate. I don't know the accuracy of these shots on how I can go with the speed. Right. There's some trackers for that now, but I can't get guess it off the top of my head. But that was quick. That was quick. It was an accurate shot there for Rope Hints. And now another opportunity. We'll see if Dallas really gains some momentum out of this, meaning getting uh, shots in quick succession here. That's usually what you can do after you score. You got to get the puck quick and start getting chances while you can ride the. Momentum of the crowd, if you believe in the home ice advantages, a stick that goes over to the right side of our boards as this gets picked up now by Minnesota in their own end. And this will be played back by Jonas Brodeen and then flipped down the ice as Minnesota taking some changes. Dallas able to gain an entry before they blow a tire. Now picked up off the left side of the embankment as Dallas will wrap this around and Gustafson will take a look at it. And this is will be flipped out of the air. Minnesota will collect into the neutral zone and they'll Dump this one in. Jake Ottinger and the butterfly toward the right side of the post now as Dallas will matriculate this pass. Good opportunity into the neutral zone. Skating in with speed. Tyler Sagan passed a little bit too far for him. He'll get a chance to spin right all the way around the net as this will go back D to D now. Here comes Dallas. They seem like they have a little bit of a buzz now. Tyler Sagan has it near the left side of the wall trying to keep this alive off the backhand. John Merrill trying to do some work with Max Domi. Here's a ripper of a wrist shot, and Gustafson makes the save, and Dallas has a heartbeat here, Alec. They're gaining some of that mojo here in that second period. After having just five shots in that first period alone, they have four, and it's not even past the four-minute mark of this second period. So far, so good for Dallas here. Yeah, because everything that we talked about in that first period, it was really all Minnesota. It was the Kirill Kaprizov experience. And now you even see Max Domi and uh, Mason Marchman from their previous sequence. They were getting into it a little bit. And now we'll see if Dallas can win another offensive zone draw. They won the last three. Here's the four in a row. As they'll fire right on net, Gustafson down, but this bounces off of Jamie Benn. And this will be picked up by Minnesota. They'll go ahead and race for this puck. And now somebody overskated it. That's going to be offsides. Clearly an offside for Minnesota. And Dallas, as you pointed out, winning four straight offensive zone draws. Jamie Benn is so good in that area. Yeah. And I know Dallas wants to use their strong side players for faceoffs. So Rope Hintz and Jamie Benn on to the left side. Joe Pavelski and Wyatt Johnston to the right side. Also the same case when you look at the left side for Max Domi, right side for Tyler Sagan. Bold strategy there when you look at things going there. 
We're looking at face-off percentages and goals against and everything else. The face-off percentage for Dallas over the recent stretch was first at over 53%. And that speaks to Jamie Benn and the parts of getting it done there for Dallas. And those that want to, uh, you know, not talk about face-offs as much and how important they can be. As now we really get something going here on the left side of the boards. And now we have a crowd. Oh, fans are up on their feet now. They want to see players dropping the gloves here. Jake Middleton, Jamie Benn going right each other. They're just throwing punches, but the gloves are still on. Oh, I have to wait and see because this is going to get ugly. I want to see some action. Yeah, we do. These two teams, I know people like to say that. They don't like each other, but really, Alec, Minnesota and Dallas know each other very well, and this could be good as we get a penalty call for a slash. Yep, this is a slashing call against Marcus Bolino, and Dallas is back to the power play. Their second chance in this period as Bolino got right up on the rookie Thomas Harley up against the fourth, and Harley, one of the up-and-coming defensemen for the Dallas Stars, and, and that's what and Dallas knows. You can't hurt the rookie. You cannot hurt the rookie. I, and I, that's the price that you pay. Yep, I like that call there, Alec, on that side. you got to make sure you protect Y. Johnston on that end. Somebody wants to go ahead and go after Jimmy Ben. I think that was Jake Middleton on the side of it. Jimmy Ben really didn't do anything wrong. And he got uh, some stinky gloves in his face. But now here's another opportunity. This is Joe Pavelski on the draw against Sam Steele. And again, Dallas, it took about all three seconds for Rope Hintz to get that wrist shot off. To tie this game, we see what we got now with 15:53. So Dallas, that's five straight. Mario Haskin in now. Is it here for Romo? Scores! This one took six seconds, <laughs> and Jason Robertson matching Karel Kaprizov on the score sheet. Both of Dallas's goals on the power play. This almost kind of feels like a carbon copy of the first Dallas yes. goal. Quick win off the faceoff. Shoot quickly, get a screen up front, and get it right by Philip Gustafson. That's exactly a, maybe what a carbon copy is. Yes, that was Jonas Brodine that Robertson was using as a screen. Learning from Rope Hintz here, and Robertson, in his second career playoff appearance, he gets one here on the board for Dallas. Alec, that's a perfect shot. That really is. And we'll see if Joe Pavelski got a stick in there on the replay. We'll look at this again. So six seconds from three seconds from Rope Hintz. And Dallas's power play strikes two for two. It's been all power play goals between these teams. It's a 2-1 lead now for Dallas. His second career playoff goal in his eighth game. As Dallas, we said, they gained some life after that first goal. And now they're really gaining it again. And now we have another call. This might be against Dallas because I saw Zuccarello go down. Yeah, his legs fell awkwardly split, split apart as he went down. Felt like he was doing a gymnastic pose. I don't mean to offend anyone, but that is not a position that you want to be <laughs> no. at. Rope Hintz is the one going to the box, too, and that's kind of costly because he's a good 200-foot player for Dallas. Plus, he got the first goal for Dallas yeah. as well, and as he hooks Zuccarello along the boards, yeah, it puts Zuccarello in awkward position. Legs split out, clear hook. So, Rope hints two minutes for a hook. It's 15-15 left to go in the second, and the power plays have been good. Yeah, they didn't need to take that long. All but nine seconds for Dallas to score two power play goals, 
And now Marcus Johansson leaving it for Spurgeon. They send it across for Boldy. Boldy now patient near the left dot. As it's Spurgeon in the high slide for the traffic off the five hole of Ottinger. And already collected now by the Stars as this gets flipped down the ice. Now Dallas is really good on the penalty kill here. Again, I know Kaprizov got one, but this is one of their strengths as well as they're well above 80%. And now Spurgeon, they'll drop this to Marcus Johansson. Johansson in full flight as he gets all around the bowling pins, but his drop pass doesn't find the wild as this will go back here for Spurgeon. And now Boldy, Boldy picks it up off the forehand, gains the entry. Here's Matt Zuccarello off the embankment. Johansson with an extra pass. I thought he'd shoot in the high slot. And now Boldy gets taken down behind the net, and so does one of the Dallas Stars. There's bowling pins back there. And Jamie Benn. Here's a good outstretch pass. This could be a shorthanded opportunity for the Stars. And Radek Foxa, high slot Dallas. Big save, Philip Gustafson, as he closed that down in the stomach. Johansson will send this around now. Here's a chance for Spurgeon off the stretch pass, and now Minnesota tries to get their power play going. Pass too hard, off the skate, recollected by Kaprizov between his legs, trying to set up Johansson, but he fanned on the one tee. Here's Boldy now, Johansson, he's got it back in the high slot, Jonas Brodin. They play crisscross with Johansson. This goes off the window here for Boldy, back to Brodin. Brodin patient, fires the shot, it gets blocked, man. Zuccarello in the high slot, Boldy, crisscross, Brodin bomb. And now picked up by Johansson. Zuccarello. He stays patient near the right dot. Measuring, looking for a pass. He goes back to D for Brodeen. This goes to Zuccarello now the right circle. Johansson working it in tight. Ottinger finds the puck and holds on to it with four seconds. Ottinger says not this time. Even though both power plays have been amazing so far here. That was ex exceptionally good. Two power play goals in a total span of nine seconds. Minnesota staying in the zone for, it felt like 40 seconds of zone yeah. time, but Marcus Johansson with the shot and tight. Chose to go near side. Jake Ottinger was there with that right pad to stop that play. I make this joke because I know the other game's on right now between the Oilers and the Kings. I thought we are doing more good power plays on this side. But, uh, yeah, I mean, these have been incredible. Good puck possession. If you're Dallas, quick strikes. Here comes a serious one-timer. That had to be in the 90-mile-an-hour region as this one's flipped up. Nice play and keeping by Minnesota. They're buzzing right now. And this one goes off on Drew. He doesn't know where it is. Dallas is down. As this gets recollected now by Minnesota. They keep it in the zone. Another slap shot. This one gets blocked. Can Minnesota keep it in? No. As this goes back to Dallas. And we're getting a tripping call. Oh, man. Minnesota. After that first power play doesn't go oh there, they're getting a shot there at redeem redeeming themselves in that power play. And Joe Pavelski is visibly upset. He doesn't like that tripping call against him. So Joe Pa, the ageless one, he's going to sit in the box at 12.52. Admittedly, I'm going to take another look at this. Is this... Joe Pa? Oh, wow. I yeah, didn't... that was Joe Pa. You caught Matt Dumba right in the foot. Yeah, tripping him up. Yeah. There are two ways that you can trip a player. The most common ways with the stick. This one was right with a foot. That's what I thought I saw when I had to take a look at it. So, yeah, you got a piece of the skate there. In this game, Alec, as we talked about, maybe the physicality, we knew that was going to be there. But now the offense certainly providing some spice in the power plays especially. This has been fun here in the second period. Oh, this has definitely been fun to watch. We're getting another scoring update here. 
Evan Bouchard on the power play with an absolute bomb. The assist from Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman. Oilers up 2-0 on the LA Kings in this first round rematch from last year. I know that there's tons of time left with two more periods, but Alec, when I see that score line at the end of the first, that doesn't look good for the Kings in winning this game one. And normally the two-goal lead would be the most dangerous lead in hockey, but if you're the LA Kings and you don't have Kevin Fiala or Gabe Velarde, this might get you in trouble. I think so too, and again, when you talk about it last year, it was different injuries, but even maybe these are more impactful than the ones before. But last year, they lost Victor Arvidsson and Drew Doughty. Still went seven. But in between Fiala and Villardi, that's like a combined 53 goals. I think I looked at my notes off the top of my head. So you can't really replace that. And the way the Oilers have been playing, and we talked about Matthias Ekholm. When he was traded to Nashville to the Oilers, he was at an even zero on the plus minus. He's already plus 28. And he hasn't played that many games since the trade. And that boosts his value to the Oilers. He's exactly who the Edmonton needed. Yep. A two-way defense who can contribute on both the offensive and defensive end. Another winner who I see here outside Nashville and Edmonton, Evan Bouchard. It lets him play on the top power play. You absolutely nailed it. As This is a chance out for Minnesota. Zuccarello, big save! For Jake Ottinger. And now Zuccarello gets a chance to recollect this. Spurgeon lets the rocket go. And Ottinger holds on. Minnesota and Dallas on their power play. They look dangerous right now. Very dangerous. And it's in full display here for Minnesota. Even if it wasn't a second assist for Jared Spurgeon, whether it be tipped or not, or where he's going to get a possible goal off of this one, Minnesota knowing how to cycle right through, whether it be Matt Zuccarello or Jared Spurgeon, or Kirill Kaprizov, doesn't matter, they're dangerous. Zuccarello, now near the left dot, he'll drop this here for Kirill the Thrill. Now Matt Zuccarello, Kirill in tight near the left dot, now near the left side red line. He'll peel back as he drops it here for the captain, Spurgeon. Gets it back for Kaprizov, nice move between the legs, trying to toe drag it. And Johansson trying to get this up there for Kaprizov, as Spurgeon does a great job. Holding it on the blue line side, Kirill Kaprizov on stretch pass, what a stop by Jake Ottinger! Is this a oh step back stop. That looks like the Jake Ottinger against the Calgary series last year as we get a whistle. He stayed with the play the whole way as he paid attention to the pass. Saw that was coming right to the slots. There he, there he is, standing there like a wall. That knocked the mask right off his face, and that's why we got a stoppage with 11.53. My goodness, Jake Ottinger, welcome to the party. More like welcome back to the party yeah. after that 64 save performance last year. But the officials are checking on something. Maybe check the score clock once again. Maybe so. They show Kirill Kaprizov 10 goals in his first 14 playoff games, tied most among active players, Vlad Tarasenko for the Rangers now. And that was the Tarasenko back with the St. Louis Blues, and he had 10 goals in his first 14 playoff games. And Kaprizov showing that he's the electric Russian coming into the league, now in, his, uh, now in year three with Minnesota, and, he, and boy, he's been terrific. Absolutely, and you know Bill Guerin tried to do as much as he could there with uh, Suter and Parisi to try to 
shed payroll off the buyouts and try to make sure that Minnesota is as competitive as possible while holding on to players like Kirill Kaprizov. In Minnesota, they've always been dangerous, but they want to try to get to the second round, the third round here, and make that push. But right now, from what we're seeing here, Alec, between these first two periods, this is going to be a great series. Hopefully it continues this way. It's a neutral zone faceoff win. And now Minnesota trying to make the transition. Great move by Boldy. And he fires it wide of the left side of the paint of glass. He got around a couple Dallas Stars. And now Boldy will spin this around as Yanni Hockenpah takes a look. This gets away from Marcus Johansson. Sent all the way down here for Philip Gustafson. Still 40 seconds left to go. And the Minnesota power play here. Spurgeon as he lows off the Jets a little bit. Kirill Kaprizov does it as this goes to the right side. This goes a little bit away from Johansson. And Kaprizov gets dirty. As it's Johansson in behind the net, which gets a chance to piece of it is Esselandell as he touches this puck, and this will fall back to Philip Gustafson. Now here's a race for the puck. Luke Glendenny trying to brother Jonas Brodin. Glendenning still trying to work him over, and Boldy finally helps be able to get that out there as touches the stick of Gustafson before it hits Matt Dumba. Here's Boldy off the backhand. Here's a toe drag. Boldy stays with it. Here's a play out of the air. They try to hit Freddie Gaudreau. Boldy's looked really good right now. Here's Gaudreau. For a sharp angle shot as Dallas returns to full strength. Joe Pa back on the ice. As he races, he momentarily knocks the puck away from Boldy. But Minnesota goes back in their own end now. Jonas Brodin will send this down deep here for Dumba. As Dallas swarming now. Trying to sense the measure of the moment here. Minnesota has been given as good as they get. Same thing with Dallas. But Dallas nine seconds apart twice on the power play as there's an ice. And as you mentioned about this, Minnesota giving Dallas all they can handle were to be through those power plays. And with Dallas, they've been answering and kind Jake Ottinger in his coming back party, making big save after big save, especially on that one take right to the slots. Yes. That was his best of the night. Yes, it was an absolutely electric stop. You can certainly argue that this game should be tied, if not for Jake Ottinger. But again, we had a habit of saying that all last year in the postseason when it was official coming out party, but now it is the coming back party, as Alec Nava amply said. Picked up now for Kaprizov. Here's a whistle. As this takes a weird bounce, this is in front of Ottinger, and the play's not blown dead yet. Where's the puck? It appeared that Ottinger has it the entire way. The puck was right in his pads, and he saw that it was going to his pads. Minnesota was... Poking all over that puck, trying to stuff it right in. Oranger saw that they were trying to poke that right into the net. Luda was there, covered it right up. It took a weird bounce. It went off the back <laughs> wall and right towards him. We've already seen a few of those right now. One time Jake Ottinger hit the right side of the post. That one bounced back toward him. And now a couple face-off wins here for Minnesota. As fans are have their hands up in the air right now, but... Again, here's another puck that went across the blue paint of Jake Ottinger. Bodies are so They believe cold. this is a penalty against Minnesota, but they're not going to call that. Wow. As this gets collected now by Dallas, they'll flip this all the way down across the red line. Here's a good race for the puck now. It's Domi. Domi, good outstretch pass, a good pick up across the wall. Overskated just a tad as Minnesota will quickly push this the other way. Here's a chance for Steele, but nobody's home on that pass. Mason Marchman gets it all the way down across the red line. As this gets recollected by Dallas in their or Minnesota in their own end, Dallas will make their changes. Flipped in, 
This will touch the stick of Jake Ottinger. Going to be quick about it, but Dallas is back there to provide some support. As there's a hit without the puck, and there's going to be a couple pushbacks there. I imagine Dewar is going to try to get something going in front of the net, as this game is really starting to shape up a little bit. Minnesota up on the shot board by a lot, 21-11, but Dallas with a pair of power play goals, and then Kirill Kaprizov with a goal in the final minute of the first on the power play, all three with the extra man. So no pluses or minuses on that side as far as your plus minus as this is sent back down. Dallas will get a chance to touch this as this is a good play, but they're going to have to take a change. And now Jonas Brodin. He's being worked over a little bit by the Dallas forecheck, but he was able to get that pass off in duress. And now room through center as this gets collected now for Odinger as he spins this back around. Dallas had to be quick about that. They tried to get it to Robo. Fake the slap shot does Jonas Brodin as he gets sent back around the embankment. Minnesota trying to finish her check, and Ryan Hartman trying to stay on the ice. We'll send this back to the defense department, and Hartman tries to go ahead and pick this one up as this gets knocked away from Hockenpah. Here's a fire, big save by Ottinger, loose in the slot. Couple opportunities, Ottinger makes a second save, and can this stay in the zone? A, a stick whack, and this is recollected by Minnesota. Great work, Hartman able to keep it in. Kuroka Presov is being sandwiched in behind the office of Ottinger. And now Dallas trying to flip this the other way as this goes across the red line now. Joe Paz got it off his backhand. He'll fire this off the outside of the cage. And he gets absolutely blasted. Oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, no. Joe Pavelski. going to get ugly. He is down. And everybody throwing fists now. Kuroka Presov trying to help his partner that's down. Sooner throwing bombs. And Joe Paz still not getting to his feet. This is an ugly scene at American Airlines Center. Yeah, it's just the ugly scale just turned up to 10 now after that Matt Dumba hit because, oh, goodness, that hit did not look good. Pavelski is responsive. He got up to his knee, so let's see this. Oh. So Pavelski was playing the backhand right to the side of the net, and then he got caught up right high on the head. So oh. see here? Yeah, Dumbo left his feet right up to the end. That, that's a charge. That is a penalty. That is a charge. That is whatever you want to call it there. I'm just glad that Pavelski, as you said, has been able to get to his feet because he got his bell rung there. And now Dumba is in the box, and rightfully so because that hit looked ugly. So he's back up on his feet. He's going to get checked for a concussion, I believe. And, again, I don't want to speculate too much, but when we're looking at Pavelski's eyes and the camera shots that we got here, Alec, it doesn't look good. They're definitely going to have to put him in some type of protocol. Definitely so. They're going to take a look at him to see if he's good to go. Maybe we could see him back, back for the third period. Who knows? But it does not look good. I don't know when he's going to come back, though. So Because that was a, oh. a hit up high. Dumbo left his feet for his check. Queer charge, so they're going to determine just a five or a two. Dumba has got, and I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, I see a little sickness with a smile on his face. I don't know what he's smiling about there, but the left side of Pavelski's head slammed on the ice very hard on that hit. That looked ugly, and if you remember 2019, <clears throat> something kind of similar happened, not exactly, we'll get into the call. Five-minute major on Dumba. 
So he's out. He's out. If it's a five, he's out. He's got to be out if it's a five-minute major because if I remember, the preview was a five-minute major on Evander Kane in last year's Western Conference Final. He did not get ejected, but he but he was suspended for Game 4. So uh, this is not a good look for Dumba. This is going to get supplemental discipline for sure. Absolutely, Alec. I Again, no referees here or anything. We're just trying to tell you exactly what we see. I have to imagine... Dumba is at least going to get a game, maybe more. I know they'll try to err on the side of caution and not try to determine a series one way or the other, but there is no way you can cookie-cut this thing. That was a very dangerous and stupid hit on Pavelski. Dangerous. And it caused serious injury, like what happened in 2016 between the Sharks, uh, 2019 between the Sharks and Golden Knights, with Paul Stasi and Cody Egan Basically, had a synchronized takedown of Pavelski off that face-up, and it led to the Sharks getting a five-minute power play, leading to Eakins' ejection. The Sharks scored four goals on that five-minute power play, if you remember from that game seven. Maybe this could challenge the magic here from Dallas in this five-minute power play coming up. Man, every time we see that hit, I'm just trying to tell you this honestly. When I see Pavelski's head hit the ice, the left side of his head there, I mean, that was full bore. You couldn't hit that any harder on that side. Dallas already scored twice on their power play. It took nine seconds apart, and now they got a full five minutes to work with, bar none. They get to stay on the power play for the entire five, and if there is any sort of rallying call or retribution, that's going to make the rest of this series very interesting, my friend. So I'll have to wait and respond to see if, how Dean Everson responds here because I'll tell you this. This series is about to get ugly the rest of the way. Maybe some lineup changes for more tough guys on the ice because I remember that the Ottawa Senators back in 2012, after something ugly between them and the New York Rangers in Game 1, Paul McQueen responded by, by getting two enforcers on the lineup in Game 2. That's how he responded there. Now, the Wild don't really have, have anyone outside of Ryan Reeves that's kind of an enforcer type. Because right. Reeves is the closest guy to an enforcer on the team. So, but they do have Sandpaper on there, so here's the call. So, we're going to see if he's going to get kicked out. I think that's what the call is here for Dumba. We're still waiting for that right now. 7.58 in a second. It's 2-1 lead for Dallas. And Dumba's fate's on the line. No major penalty. That is wow. a supreme surprise on my end, Alec. That's a big surprise. It was going to be a two instead of a five, and the Stars fans here are in disbelief. I was wondering if it was going to be a five or a two. And the look at this dumbest face, I feel he must be bringing some sort of a side relief after hearing it was a two and not a five. So, of course, it was going to be reviewed, but clearly, Pavelski got shaken up from that big hit. I got to tell you, Alec, I think that was a blown call. I'm just going to be completely honest on that side. Again, I don't play judge, jury, and executioner, but that certainly seemed like a hit that could have been avoided to that extent. 
No way would I only have thought it was going to be a two. But nonetheless, Dallas has another power play opportunity. They've been really good at it. Our only hope now, from what we can tell you as we go to commercial break, that you might see Joe Pavelski as early as the third period. But again, Alec, I agree with you on some of the thoughts that we just shared. I think Matt Dumba, he might have to uh, at least talk on the phone for part of the disciplinary committee because he might be getting a game. Yeah, I feel like he's going to get a phone call from George Paro soon and the NHL Department of Player Safety in regards to that hit because that looked very ugly. So hopefully Joe Pavelski is going to be okay. And again, we'll just be completely honest as far as Dallas and their first line is concerned. Let's say Joe Pavelski misses some time. That would be enough to uh, maybe get out of this series. But if they were without Joe Pavelski's services for quite a while, uh, that would really shake up some things for Dallas. You can't replace somebody like him. Absolutely not because he is very much a vocal leader. Knows how to redirect pucks, get to the front of the net. He's, he's that veteran presence that they sought after when they signed him at the conclusion of the 2019 season when he played for the San Jose Sharks as their previous captain. And he knows a thing or two about leadership. So we will see what happens now. We have a four-on-four four for two minutes. That is what we have right now. With 7.50 left to go in the first and now we get back into the hockey action here. We'll see how Dallas responds. And they fire a shot immediately on Gustafson. He makes the save. So initially, what led to the 4-on-4 is that not only the Matt Dumba high hit on Joe Pavelski, but also a retaliation penalty on Max Domi, for, uh, for, after the matter of fact, for, for what Dumba did. I really not gonna. I know you're not. I'm really not gonna blame Max Domi on that side. You got to be able to stand up for your teammate there. Again, we'll see what type of tenor this series takes. Again, we're just game one, and after seeing something like that, we knew that this could be a long series. It's already gonna be very ugly from the onset, as we talked about. There's gonna be some fireworks here, I imagine. It's not gonna be done anytime soon. Middleton sends us across now. We got a hockey game to win as this goes off the left side of the blue paint. And this gets recollected by Tyler Sagan. It's Ben and Sagan reunited on this four-on-four. And Ben's shot goes right into the catching glove of Gustafson. I don't know if we're going to get another fight later on, uh, later on in this game. But I believe if, if at any point Ryan Reeves is out there, maybe we can get a fight after this matter of fact. Especially considering the whole circumstances. Matt Dumba's hit on Joe Pavelski. And maybe in this first period we could see a fight. Probably be, maybe, maybe, who wants to book on a fight between Ryan Reeves and Mason Marchment? I want to see that. That would certainly be uh, first ballot <laughs> fight material, as this is recollected now for Miro Haskinen. And this is turned over in the defensive zone. There's an opportunity here for Zuccarello as he weaves his way through the bowling pins. Trying to be the first to get to it now, as it's Suter, the long-tenured defenseman now. He's been here for Dallas for a couple years since coming over from the Minnesota Wild and the former Nashville Predator. This is the other way for Rope Hints. It's one on four. He's still trying to buy some time. He sends it back to D. Dallas has it. They take a sharp angle shot. It's a bounce, but it'll fall right to Gustafson. He'll hold on with 6.53 in the second. Another shot block for Minnesota's defense on that shot. And, of course, 
this is this hit. They're replaying this. This is going to be the major talking point from this game. Boy, I just cannot stop thinking about this. No, because as we talk about it, as we, sh we should, it's in a situation where I think it's going to have major repercussions for the rest of this series. It might not bleed into as far as the entire length of the series, but you'd certainly expect something here in Game 2 in a couple of nights. That's what we're kind of leaning at. Jamie Ben off the steal. His shot gets blocked, but he's still got it in behind the office of Gustafson. He tried to send it out in front, but he's getting worked over now by Middleton. He's getting pinned against the glass out there with the youngster, Wyatt Johnson. And it looks like the referee blows the play dead. Yeah, the puck was not moving behind the nets. It was just trapped right there in the boards, and, and the referee knew that this puck was not going to get moved anywhere. So he decides, face off. 38 seconds left to go on this 4-on-4. Four four. Still 6.36 left to go in the second frame. John Under with you on the play-by-play -play alongside Alec Nava is we're at American Airlines Center. It's a 2-1 lead for Dallas. All three goals that are scored, the first in the first pair by Kirill Kaprizov in the final minute, and the other two for Dallas are all on the power play, all three goals, as this is Sam Steele now. He sends this one back into the defensive side here for Middleton. You can always... Tell him by the mustache as this gets picked up now by Nyquist. He tries to make a play, but they go offside, says Minnesota. So, oh, then, 20 seconds left on the 4 on 4. I wonder what the response is from Minnesota here. But Dallas may have a new spark under their, he under their heels, especially after that hit on uh, from Dumba on Pavelski. So, th there's that to think about that this is going to light a flame right under them. Yeah, and we'll see how they shuffle the rest of their lines. Again, from the very beginning of the trade for Sagan and Ben, maybe you can move that up there on that side of the line to replace Pavelski. That probably makes a lot of sense as far as what they can move, and we'll figure out what happens with that. As I think we're going to redo this draw with 6.20 left to go on the second. I guess they were a little off on their score clock on that 4 on 4 so they initially had 20 seconds, now they readjusted to 22. So we start again, Jonas Brodin will leave this here for Boldy, as Boldy able to dodge a hit and goes a chance to pick up a stick. This is still in behind the office of Philip Gustafson getting his first taste of playoff hockey. Marc-Andre Fleury is going to back him up as Marcus Johansson under the right side of the wall. His shot gets blocked, but it falls back to him as it's... Back to five-on-five five action here. And now Dallas will try to go left to right. Here's an outstretched pass. Hero Aiskinen will send this one across, and Roddick Fox chips this. I don't know where it went, but it's up into the player's bench and the back on the ice. Yeah, it went right up into the netting. 5.46 left to go in this second period. I wonder how the rest of this period and game to an extent will go after, yep, I don't even need to mention it again. No, there's, that's all that's going to be on the rest of our mind here, at least for the second period, until we figure out who's going to be back on the ice. Well, let me give you a scoring update, and I imagine the Kings and Oilers will pull out of our game because it was a lengthy stoppage. So let's just take a look at it again. As Alex said, it was all in the first. Leon Dreisettle from 6.57, the first from Matthias Yanmark and Evander Kane. It's good to see Evander Kane get on the scoreboard. Evan Bruchard on the power play from RNH and Zach Hyman. No goals so far in the second. Stuart Skinner, as I look at it here, Alec, and again, this is just on the sideline because we're in the middle of our Stars wall game. He's only had to face eight shots, and it's four minutes left to go in the second. Kings have not had an attack. They have 
notch, especially in the absence of Kevin Fiala and Gabe Velarde. So I wonder if, if that top line of Quinton Byfield, Ashe Kopitar, and Adrian Kempe is going to find this groove sometime in this game or series to an extent, along with that second line of Trevor Moore, Philip Deneau, and Victor Arvidsson. Just remember, Arvidsson did not play at all in last year's first-round series. Same with Drew Doughty. So I wonder if they're going to find their mojo here in this series. Was Jonas Corpusalo, who had an NHL record 85 saves in the bubble three years ago. Maybe he's going to have to step up in the events that he's going to be relied upon, which they are right now. Right, and between both, I'm glad I scrolled up to look at this until because I thought Stuart Skinner wasn't busy out of 8 out of 8. Jonas Corposal hasn't been busy either. 8 out of 10. That's surprising that you only have 18 combined shots on goal when you're at 4-0-1 in the second between these two teams. But the LA Kings, to their credit, they've had the recipe of slowing down Edmonton. They're about a four goals a game uh, team, and they're about 2-10-2-20. Here's a break the other way. It's Bolle scores! And there you go, Sam Steele on the, on the takeaway, getting the breakaway, Minnesota answering right back. He goes right down the middle, 13 in white and forest green, getting that takeaway. So this all starts at the blue line as Colin Mills looking at Jason Robertson. That shot was blocked, and then that creates the breakaway for Steele. Receiving the feed up front, was that Gustav Nyquist getting the pass up forward? And well, then, going Blocker side on Jake Ottinger, and there was nobody right in front of Ottinger to stop that. Colin Miller was trying to do his best to stick with Steele from behind, but to no avail. Steele felt this, oh, that's, that's Colin Miller was behind him, adjusted, and got the shot off. Tie game. And that was all from a great play. And it was a miscue on the other end for Dallas off the pass, but off that pickoff. Uh, Minnesota was the first to get to it, whether, like Alex said, it was Nyquist, it was Sam Steele on the breakaway. I thought he was when they got the uh, the, the uh, Steele part of it, but he actually got the recipient of the pass. We're going to take a look at it again. So a pass attempt gets blocked off, and then Steele's just off to the races, off the pass attempt, and now it's a beautiful lift. Oh, yeah, he blocked the initial shot as well from Robertson. Defense to offense. That's a fantastic goal. And when you're talking about Dallas maybe getting the response, now Minnesota has tied it up. Boy, Alec, again, I know we talked about the Kings and the Oilers. I'm glad we decided to do this game. I hope I didn't try to give you much convincing on that side because this has been very intriguing now. This could be one of the best games of the night. Here's a chance in the high slot as Dallas will try to get a chance to recollect it off of Wyatt Johnson, but this gets turned over and now recollected by Meryl Haskinen. As this goes off the wall, Jonas Brodeen, Dallas will try to find it there, but this gets picked off and now sent in deep across the red line. Philip Gustafson will take a look at it. This is just safely played and behind the office of Gustafson. Kaprizov now have to elude a hit from Robo as it's very busy. Jason Robertson trying to pinch a steal, and now somebody gets taken down. That could have been uh, Kaprizov and Robertson. As they got tangled up, they're still down tangled up on top of each other. That's Marchment and someone else. Dumba. Maybe a bit of retaliation from Marchman's part after Dumba had you know what. Because Marchman, I know he's feeling some ill will after his and one of his leaders went down and exited into the locker room to get checked in concussion protocol. And Marchman's like, 
You want to hurt our, our leader? Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know what? You, you, you're going to remember me. Yeah, Marchman, he was sharing some words with uh, Dumba, and that was more along the lines of what Alec was just saying. Like, you want to, we're going to remember this. That's kind of what he threw out there to him. As some of the Dallas fans are waving in the crowd now. It's a chance for a two-on-three, but Dallas has the three that are back. Hawk and Paw trying to locate it, but here's Minnesota with the puck. They just scored from Sam Steele off the break. It was a great play as we're down to 4-10. We'll take on the second. This game is tied at two. And this has been a fantastic contest. As this is picked up now near the left side of the faceoff dot, trying to be chipped out deep there by Dallas and gain the red line. As this will spin away from Spurgeon. And now here's a long outstretched pass from Haskin and trying to locate Radic Foxa. But this will be recollected by Merrill. Bach Faber! He's getting worked over, but he keeps deep his feet as he's trying to get through with some contact. And he gets some help from his friends to get that out as Yanni Hockenpah. Able to locate it. Delayed offside was signaled that this will allow Minnesota to go ahead and race for it. As a tripping penalty could be called. That's what Dallas wants. Are we getting the whistle as this gets sent all the way down? No, we're not. It's still live right now, and it was right in front of the referee. As this gets recollected by Minnesota, they'll gain the red line, flip it in. Jake Ottinger sends it all the way back around. 3.10 left to go on the second. Tyler Sagan now on his forehand. He'll gain the entry as this is spun back around for Gustafson. Played this off the back skate as Minnesota. And this is a long flip, but there's some contact near the left side boards. Is plays below Dev with three minutes left. And now Ryan Reeves is sharing some words across. And I feel Dallas fans may have a right to be angry about that missed call. But let's see here on that full sequence as Radic Fox and Brock Faber were going right after each other. Trying to chase for this puck. Then Ty Delandra joins right in. Then as this puck was going right after it out. So time later, Matt Bodie may have appeared to have tripped Rope Hence. The official may have been in the line of sight for that. Did not even put a hand up in the air. Maybe a blown call. We'll see if Jay Ben can do it again. Boy, has he been good in the offensive zone dot. I think he's won his last five. Is this is flipped back around here for Dallas? Dallas now will play this off the right side of the embankment as Wyatt Johnston will spin this around the kick plate now. Big body contact, Jacob Middleton trying to clear some space, and now Minnesota will collect. Now Steele, he's the one that just scored. He seems to be having the uh, petroleum in his skates, but this gets picked off off the backhand now. Harley under duress, and they'll send this back around for Colin Miller as he absorbs a big hit. Minnesota gets this now on the offensive end. They'll play this off the wall, but this will find Jake Ottinger. He holds on with 218 in the second. So another one of those saves from um, Jake Ottinger here, trying to make up for that last goal, goal by Sam Steele. In fact, that's just first career goal. Damn it, boy. So one assist and one shot. They're showing it now for Gustav Nyquist. 11 goals, 17 assists, and 28 points in 52 games that he's played. I know Alec can mention when he comes back and he's healthy, want to see if he can provide some production. He certainly has as this puck goes off sides. He just exits the zone for just a tad there. A tad of white ice <laughs> in that puck exiting the zone. And as Minnesota was trying to keep in, they couldn't do so. See the response here from Dallas. They have 14 shots on goal. 
So even though they turned it up in this second period, Minnesota has been firing left and right. Brodeen now trying to locate this with Roddick Foxa. This will be recollected by Miro Haskin, and he sidesteps a hit with not a lot of space around him. That's why he's got the skating display. He could always be a Norris Trophy candidate as far as I'm concerned. And this will be recollected now. Hartman has it live off his forehand, and this one shot high. This will go around the end boards, but it can't be kept in as this will fall back. And here's a long slap shot opportunity from 100 feet, but this will be recollected by Haskin as he'll flip this back around the end boards now. Dallas tries to find it, but this will fall back to Minnesota into the neutral zone. It's a race for the puck across the D, and this is picked up now by Minnesota. This will be flubbed and just cast it aside by Jake Ottinger. Slap shot from the point. This takes a crazy bounce, but Haskinen's right there to clean up the left side of the crease as he just chops at the puck. And now 110 left to go in the second and a tie game at two. As this is picked up nicely, here's a chance for Minnesota off the drop. Marcus Johansson, and no problems here for Ottinger as he brushes it aside with the glove. And the crowd booing Matt Dumba when he touched that puck. <laughs> of course, he's going to hear from this crowd, especially after that. Then on the other side, Matthew Boldy finding Marcus Johansson at the high slot. Jake Ottinger still keeping the stars in this game. It's still a tie game 2-2. Maybe we could see an overtime here based on how much of a goaltending battle this series could be. Maybe expect that several times in this series. You know, it's interesting, Alec, just from the first period of the second, how much this game has changed. I'm not even talking about the physicality part of it, but these offenses have certainly come alive for both of these teams, have they not? They have. You got 55 seconds left to go here in the second. Dallas has a time for a couple more rushes as they'll flip this one down. And here's an opportunity for Minnesota. They'll gain the red line and do the same thing. Jake Ottinger, that was a little bit of a misplay, and that might allow Minnesota to get a chance to get this puck. They'll throw it back D to D. Here's a ripper. Wrong wrist shot. Ottinger can't locate it. Snow Angel down. I think he falls on it, though. That was alert from Ottinger's part to locate that puck because it seemed that he couldn't find this puck. But then, as it was all around the crease, he located it. Newt, Newt, where it was at the last possible moment. Minnesota was trying and trying to get that in. Because that was Freddie Gaudreau, the man who just signed a five-year extension with the Minnesota Wild all over that alongside Ryan Reeves. It was just bouncing all around Ottinger. And now he's made his 25th save of the night. Absolutely on that side. And I will give a gold star for Essel Lindell. He did his job. That'll protect his goaltender just to make enough of a save and keep it out in front as Haskinen absorbs a body blow. And now the same thing on the left side. Big contact there for Dallas, Minnesota. Now everybody tied up. There's a little bit of a scrum as the camera cuts all the way back down. This will be ice against Minnesota. It seemed like there was four players that were stuck near the right side of the circle. And now Ryan Reeves has a smile on his face as he's got some words with Jamie Benn. Oh, some more pushing and shoving here. And that chippiness continuing to show as this game goes on. I know it's only the opening game. But man, oh man, this, this series could feel like a movie. Yeah, we picked a good one here, Alec, on this side. Jamie Benn again. Wins another offensive zone draw. Here comes the shot. 
and this is found amongst the redwood trees by Gustafson. Hey, yeah, Bill Gustafson's, and, and this shot was through several bodies right in front of Gustafson. I know that ESPN side of things may have stopped the clock a little too late, so they're going to have to correct things up on this on the game clock. So Philip Gustafson able to locate that because Wyatt Johnson was setting the screen out in front. They may have to get a shot off quickly here if they were to get one in. Yeah, it certainly seems like, again, Minnesota, they're looking at the clock. Yeah, you're right. It was, it was about four seconds, I was going to say. Now it's three and a half. Evgeny Dadanov is getting himself right his set right behind the faceoff dots. In the event if Jamie Ben were to win another faceoff, this is for a quick shot. Absolutely, get everything all squared away for the right-handedness. You win it quickly, more of an aggressive style. And now this is more of a tie-up, and that is going to end the second period. It was just one nothing after one. Now it's two to two, and there is a lot to talk about going into the second intermission. We will wait and see the status of Mr. Joe Pavelski, if he's going to be available for the third or what the word is, and we will let you know on that side because there's going to be a lot of reaction to it. But, uh, Alec, before I even get some of these notes in, I think I'm going to have some talking points with you. What are your takeaways in that second period? What did you like from these teams? So the main thing outside the Joe Pavelski, Matt Dumba hits, I like what I see from the power plays. It's electric and dynamic. The puck movement has been there, and, and I like what I see from both these sides, especially Dallas, who scored twice on a grand total of nine seconds of power play time. Rope hits, Jason Robertson finding the back of the net. That's what I like to see. And even though Minnesota didn't find the back of the net on the man advantage in that second period, they didn't necessarily have to because Sam Steele capitalized on that shot block that led to the breakaway pass from Gustav Nyquist, and we're all tied up at two. Though still, that power play from Minnesota still looks dangerous. It's Jake Ottinger that has been keeping Dallas in this game, and that's the main thing for Dallas, for him to be at his A game. So far, 26 saves on 28 shots faced. Yeah, he's certainly already kind of faced the same opportunities that he would have faced last year against the Flames as the Wild have been able to fire a lot of shots on there. I can't really understate this within the first 40 minutes of all the events that were out in front of us. I'll try not to speak of it too many more times here because there'll be so many talking points even in the story and everything else to get right later depending on how long this game goes. But I, I said it earlier when we watched the second period and I know it's just the 120 minutes of action to reflect upon, but I'm really going to tell you this. This is the best game of the night so far. And this could, I know I said this in the open, I think Alec was right there with me, this could be one of those series, again, not a lot of people are paying attention to, but if you don't, I think you're going to be missing something granular here, because this is one of the best ones I think we're going to have. I was down to between this one and Oilers-Kings in the beginning of what game I would want to do. Now I'm happy that I picked this one <laughs> with you, John, because we're getting ourselves a treat to watch. Yes, we are, and let me just dictate this too, just to speak to our points, because I know we did a little bit of a scoreboard watch. Let's go to tomorrow's games, and let's see what uh, matchups intrigue you, and then I'll give my thoughts as well, but I'll leave it to you first. What do you like tomorrow in the slate of games? All first things first, the Hudson River rivalry. Eleven long years that we have last seen these two teams 
match up against each other in the playoffs. Finally, for the first time since Adam Henrique had that overtime winner to send the Devils to the Stanley Cup final, we have a showdown here. And just a drive away between the Big Apple. You got the Devils to the west of the Hudson and the Rangers to the east of it. So Devils get home ice. The Devils are bolstered. Both teams bolstered themselves at the trade deadline. The Rangers prioritize on Stanley Cup winning experience. The Devils are going after young guys and guys who can bring some firepower right into the team. The Rangers... Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko, the Devils, Timo Meyer. I'm going to go ahead and say I agree with you on that one, but just to continue the point of conversation, and I'm going to go back to the Rangers and Devils after this point, I'm also going to say the early game, because it's 7 p.m. Eastern Rangers-Devils on TBS. That was the one I was going to mention, and again, I think that's right for you to say that. I'm going to go ahead with the other early game at 7.30. You're going to have to be frantically flipping through the channels between the Lightning and the Maple Leafs. Yes, I know that it's a rematch, but I want to throw this out there. Last year, I took the Tampa Bay Lightning to defeat the Maple Leafs in seven games. I ended up getting that one right, even though I gave a ton of reasons why I thought the Maple Leafs should beat the Lightning. This year, I'm flipping that pick. I'm going with the Maple Leafs in seven games. I understand the Lightning have to do what they need to do, and sometimes in the back end of it, you coast into the playoffs because you don't want to exert all that injury. But with Tanner Janot not being available, one of the other guys that they traded for, I'm not saying Michael E. Simon's a bad player, but the depth for the Tampa Bay Lightning over the years, when you think about Blake Coleman and some of these other pieces, that's not there anymore. And I wonder, I really wonder here, Alec, if the Maple Leafs finally get it done, win a first-round playoff series, the first time since 2004. Ilya Samsonov has been one of the best goaltending pickups you could ever ask for. Kyle Dubas did the damn job on that end. But I don't think there is any more excuses for the Maple Leafs. they got to find a way to beat the Lightning this time around. You hit it on the spot there, John. I, I'm also picking the Maple Leafs to win this series in seven games. To make things even sweeter, I have this on an Austin Matthews Overtime series clincher. How nice. How yes. about that? Uh, dude, you, I love that. I hope that's the case for Maple Leafs fans everywhere. Again, you're speaking to a Red Wings fan on the other side for Alec Nava, a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. We, we like the Lightning. I still love watching them and all that. If they make it, it's always for great theater. But it's time that we see the Maple Leafs do something, is it not? It's about time. And when you look at the Lightning, you mentioned about the depth there. They lost their entire third line from the Stanley Cup runs, not only in Blake Coleman, but also Yanni Gord and Barclay Goodrow as they went off to Calgary, Seattle, and the New York Rangers, all respectively. The depth is still there. They got Nick Paul to a seven-year extension in the offseason. They got Eric Chernak, Anthony Sorelli, and Mikhail Sergachev on eight-year extensions as well. Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, and Braden Point are all still there. Brandon Hagel had himself a breakout season. But the main question of your Tampa, how much do you have left on the tank before you finally burn? Yeah, you're right, because at the end of the day, again, all those names that you mentioned are good. You can talk about some depth issues, but the main thing that you said, and I want to pick off on this too that we can throw out there, when you're talking about Stamkos, Kucherov, and all that, you know it was great. They played all 82 games. They stayed healthy. We saw what Braden Point could do in a full year, and man, was he terrific. But again... 
That's three years of extra mileage going into four years of potentially a long playoff run. You've even seen some of that same tread being used against Andre Vasilevsky. His numbers aren't the same that they used to be. Not saying he's not a great goaltender, but it's a situation when you play that much hockey, it might wear on you. I just want to piggyback on one thing in the sense of what you talk about in the Open for the Rangers and the Devils. I want this series to be a long series. Again, all these ones in the first round seem to be really, really good. And I'll tell you the one that I think that won't be. I want this one to be long, but I have a sneaking suspicion here, Alec, that I think the Rangers are going to take this one convincingly. I think even they might win this in five. I know that that's going on a big reach there. Because when we did the Devils a couple of times, I loved the way that they worked the puck in behind the net. Jack Hughes is terrific. You got Tomas Tatar, like almost a plus 50. You got plenty of other players that can score. Vitek Vanacek can be hot and cold, but the defense is really good. But what the Devils are trying to do here, Alec, is finding playoff success and experience in real time against a Rangers team that's really as good as them in all areas, but, oh, by the way, have all that experience. Yep. As you mentioned there, it seems the Rangers, it all comes down to who is the more experienced team. And though I might see this going the full seven games, because looking at these two teams, they're, they're better on the road than they are at they home, are. in my opinion, especially in the case of the Devils. So that's what I think of my hunch, that this is going to go to seven and a grand total of two team, uh, two wins by the home team in the series. I think it's going to come like game one. And game three, those home wins. So that, that's what, those are the only home wins I see happening in the series. The Rangers take this one in seven. So I, I don't know if this argument can go both ways. The Devils are young. They have one of the better defenses in the league and a great penalty kill. The Rangers, on the other hand, have a top three goalie in the NHL, an electric power play, and, and a do-it-all defenseman who is possibly going to contend for the Norris Trophy again. Yes, they do, and I want to speak about the point you made. I had to pull up the notes on that side. Road splits. So for the New Jersey Devils, they're 28-9-4, and, and for the Rangers, they're 24-9-8. That's about as good as it gets. There you go. So I can see the majority of these games being won by the team that's on the road. So there you go for that point. Maybe a win or two. So one win possibly by the home team, if you see this going to five. I see that if, so if, when it's a seven-game series, then possibly two wins could suffice for the home team. Because this is a... Go ahead. Oh, yeah, because when I look at these two teams, yes, the Devils won the regular season series. It's three, to one, uh, three games to one. Yes, the Rangers, there's only one came in overtime. Yes, both of these two teams exchanged 3-1 comebacks in overtime wins. Yes, Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko were held off the score sheet in the final game. But that doesn't show the full story about what they are truly capable of. Now Kane is on a line where he is allowed to thrive with two bona fide goal scorers in Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. Vladimir Tarasenko has found his, his spot with Artane Panarin and Benny Trocek. Panarin and Kane are pass-first guys. Yeah. Kreider, Zibanejad, and Tarasenko are score-first guys. There's the thing when it goes there. The Rangers have a complete top six, and, and not to mention that kid line, and, and a fourth line that doesn't have anyone from there playing out of their element, because that has been recurring before the acquisition of Tarasenko and Kane. 
So the Rangers are playing a game that alludes to the pre-salary cap era, and they did cap gymnastics to get both Tarasenko and Kane. So great part on Chris Drury's part to get both of them. Plus Nico Mikola on that third defensive pair of Braden Schneider fills in that hole because Ben Harper is more of a seventh defenseman. Not to say that Harper's bad, but being a regular on the third pairing might not be ideal for him, as Miko is better, better suited there. Feel the Rangers are more well-rounded, but that's not to say the Devils are not a good team. They are obviously good. Whether it be from the, the line of Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt, you can put either one of Timo Meyer or Andre Palat there, because obviously you've got the solidified line of Tomas Tatar, Nico Heischer, and Dawson Mercer up there, and Mercer can play either center or the wing. And Eric Halla, not to mention him, he's centering that third line. Would it be him with Timo Meyer, Andre Palat on that third line? And on the right side, you can put Igor Sharangovich or Jesper Boquist on there, and you would not be wrong. Fourth line, obviously, Miles Wood, who's their top scorer on that bottom, on that fourth line, with Michael McLeod. And Michael McLeod, good faceoff man. And onto the right side, you can have either one of Boquist or Nate Bastian. You would not be wrong there either. Dougie Hamilton broke out, and this is a very fun defenseman battle yeah. between him and Adam Fox. Then you got a shutdown pairing of Ryan Graves and John Marino. And not to mention another shutdown defenseman, Jonas Siegenbauer. I'd be, I'd be intrigued to see if Lindy Ruff gives Luke Hughes some minutes here in the playoffs. Just remember, the Colorado Avalanche gave Kel McCarr minutes in the playoffs in his rookie year. That turned out well. What do they have in common? They're both fourth overall picks. Well, that was a complete breakdown there for Mr. Alec Nava, and I absolutely should give you a golf clap on that end because that was perfect. And uh, I'll have to see if I'm going to be covering that game tomorrow or whether I have to flex to a basketball assignment, unfortunately, because I really wanted to work on the game on, but I also had someone reach out for, for me as far as covering a basketball game. It might be Suns Clippers tomorrow, but well, keep me posted about that if you do work some of the Devils and the Rangers, because I do want that to be a long series, and I don't disagree with any of the points you just made. I'm only wondering about the Devils trying to get through the limelight and trying to figure out if they can... If they know that they belong and if they can hang with the Rangers, so that's my only concern. But everything you said is absolutely correct. And can the Devils beat the Rangers? Absolutely they can. I'm going to go ahead and ask you this, though. What's the one team you think has no chance of winning in the first round? That's a hard question to ask. Because in my opinion, when I look at the L.A. Kings, that depends on the health of Kevin Fiala right. and Gabe Velarde. When they're healthy, they get a shot. When they're not, probably they have no chance. Yeah, I agree. I was I was going to mention the other team in the West, and I, I hope that this is the is not the case because the Seattle Kraken making their uh, playoff debut in just their second season is is nothing short of miraculous and. For everything good that Ron Francis has done, when I talk about Philip Grubar, that might have been a mistake or whatever, but everything else has been uh, absolutely nailed. Vince Dunn's going to make himself a boatload of money. I hope, Alec, that the Kraken play it in the sense of not just being happy to be here. I hope that they can give the Avalanche a good run for their money, at least make it a six-game series. But that's the one that I'm going to say. I don't think the Kraken have a chance. 
And it's not because of the defense and the, and the goal scoring. The Kraken are one of the best goal scorers. They're top four in the NHL on that side, and their defense can get it done. Uh, Dunn and Larson have been really good on that end. But that goaltending in between Martin Jones and Philip Grubar, when you got about an 887 and an 890, and you got Alexander Gergiev, and you got the high powered Avalanche and good defense, and Kale McCarr, Bo and Byram staring in the back end of you, they got to bump that save percentage about 30 points. And I just don't think it's going to happen for Seattle. Sadly, I don't think it's happening for Seattle either. Do I think? <clears throat> don't you, you? You probably mentioned something that that, that they're home. That they're going to give the average a, probably a run for their money. Yeah. Plus, you, you factor into something about you. Let's factor into something, and this may come as an unexpected X factor for the Kraken. Their home crowd. Seattle is one of the loudest venues to play at. And it's never easy playing there. The Kraken took down the ass twice this regular season, but those were on the road. The Avalanche defeated the Kraken that one time in, in Seattle this season. So, but then again, it's never easy playing in Seattle, especially if you're the reigning champions. So we will find out, and again, as Alex said from his first points, because I agree with that, we're in lockstep between Seattle and the Avalanche. I think... I think Seattle can take it as much as six, but I won't go farther than that. The only, and we agree with all of our series here, the only thing I think is that the Rangers might be a little bit quicker, but I, I hope not because I think the Devils can certainly do that. I've seen some people even picking the Devils to win the whole thing. I don't even think that that's a bad selection. In between these uh, eight matchups that you have in the 16 teams, I could legitimately, and I think you could say the same, Alec, that maybe at least 13 out of the 16 have a chance to lift this thing. It's it's going to be a really fun Stanley Cup playoffs per usual. Yeah, it's going to be a very fun Stanley Cup playoffs here because you look at this. Yeah, you look at 13 of the 16 teams. Some of the teams that I don't see realistically lifting the Stanley Cup, the Seattle Kraken, as you mentioned, but they're going to give Colorado a run for the money. Ultimately, the Avalanche are going to win that series. Florida, they might give Boston a scare. <laughs> I don't know how many people are gonna. Uh, uh, I don't know if people are gonna ex say that Florida has no chance, but I think the Florida Panthers are a bad matchup for the Boston Bruins early on. But in the end, I th if the Bruins are just too talented to lose this early in the playoffs. And the one thing we can mention too, Alec, right, is Florida beat Boston twice this year. One of just two teams to do so. Alongside the Ottawa Senators, I remember that. So. Yeah, they've played each other a lot, but I, I agree with you on both of those points. I think the only real thing, again, that would shock me absolutely is if Boston lost in the first round. I think that would shock me even more than the Avalanche losing to the Kraken because I do think Seattle's got a, a chance rolling out all four lines. Let's say, let's say they had some goaltending. If the Seattle Kraken could uh, wish upon a star here, Alec, and get Jake Ottinger in net, I think they could beat Colorado, honestly. But they didn't. <laughs> I mean, wish upon a shooting star, and no pun intended. Oh, yeah, they, they are showing the flashback to yep, 2019 right. Game 7 between San Jose and Vegas. That it. Because this looks like deja vu, except there wasn't anyone coming off Pavelski this time around. So we're going to see if Pavelski comes back onto the bench for Dallas here. We will see. And again, maybe the Alec, as you said, they just showed that, and I'm looking at it now from that side. Maybe the only reason they didn't qualify was because there was no blood. Yeah, that, that may be the only reason why they didn't call it a five-minute major. 
So here we go. It is a 2-2 tie into this third period. Minnesota quickly trying to get a chance there for Boldy. It's loose in the slot, but Ottinger will locate it near the left side of the crease and hold on with 1946. We're just underway here in a tie game in the third. A quick bad counter by Boldy here early on in this third period as the Wild look to get that quick start into this third period. Now, I know both of these teams have different sorts of motivations and different sorts of aspirations. And here would it be there, but they all have one goal in common, the Stanley Cup. Though yeah. Dallas, it, Dallas is more likely for this. Minnesota, they're trying to win their first playoff series in eight years. Man, it seems like a long time since Minnesota's been able to get something tangible. But again, their team is really good too. I just think this Dallas team... Just a shade better in every area, but that should make this a very intriguing series. 27 games have been tied winning the second period for the Stars. It's the second most in the NHL. You can also talk about that. A lot of ties and one-goal games for the Flames that are no longer playing right now. As Colin Miller able to get a piece of it, but he had to elude some body contact as players are being absorbed into the BioSteel ads near the left side of the post. This will fall to Jake Ottinger. He makes the save. Well, yeah, I've heard about the digital ads along the boards that they use at TV TV broadcast because they're replacing all over the advertisements that are along the boards at the hockey rink normally. Probably some digital screens in that hockey rink when you look at this. But then again, there must be something with digital ads and TV broadcast these days. There's got to be that. There's Money's got to come in somewhere. Gambling has been higher than it's ever been. We need the revenue. We know the... Salary cap for the NHL is going to shoot up over the next couple of years, I think exponentially at least. So it should be good for these players because if it wasn't for the viewership, they'd be making a lot more money. Hockey is one of the best sports we have, especially during the playoff time. As Spurgeon is his marchment now. Here's an outstretched pass. It's a race for the puck now. And it's an opportunity for Roddick Foxer to try to locate it. But he's being pinned near the right side of the red line. He's just spun back around now. And some severe body contact in behind Philip Gustafson. It would be sent back down the ice and recollected by Roddick Fox after he was just taking punishment. It's sent back down, and we see that Edmonton and L.A., it's a 2-0 game within a 2. Ours is 2-2 with 18-15 left to go in the third. John on here with you alongside Alec Nava between play-by-play -play and color, respectively. Off the backhand, short side attempt, and Ottinger makes the save. Well, more wacky bounces here right in front of Ottinger. I'm wondering to see if there's a pattern here when it comes to wacky bounces in front of Jake Ottinger. Because remember, there was that one shot that went off of his glove and then off the right post from Gustav Nyquist. I believe this was the same Gustav Nyquist who took that shot as well. Yes, it was on that side. As we get another draw, this is an offensive one here, a chance for Steele. He scored the... Critical goal that tied this one is, again, as Alex just talked about, they were queuing in on Gustav Nyquist as Dallas ices the puck. Yeah, Brock Faber was turning around knowing that this puck was going down the ice. I think he turned around and forced that icing to go to have John Merrill be the closest to it. So Faber, still young, I believe, as I look at too much, it is, yeah, he's 20 years old, cap, previously captaining the Minnesota Golden Gophers a national championship appearance this year, ultimately losing to Quinnipiac and props to Rand Pecknold and his, his guys were on that championship win. Just 10 seconds of overtime, Jacob Quillen. 
I was glad that you could join me there for that uh, first period of one of those games in there, because that was a fantastic national championship. And now you get to go ahead and play in these Stanley Cup playoffs. So how cool is that? Same thing for Wyatt Johnson on that end. Some young guns getting some big-time experience are going to be prominent, I believe, for both of their teams. Here's a turnover, an opportunity here for Minnesota. They'll fire this wide off the backhand attempt of Foligno. We'll try to chase this down right around the embankment. Here's Jamie Benn as he gets taken down there. Gustav Nyquist, Thomas Harley taking a look at it as this will be sent back around the boards. Recollected now by Dallas in toward the wall. It's Jamie Benn trying to play this off the back pass. And I'll leave it now here for Thomas Harley. Harley near the left side of the dot. He'll fire it from an angle. And this is right in the stomach of Gustafson as he holds on. He tries to go near side with that shot. Fortunately, it hit the chest of Philip Gustafson right onto the logo. So you get another shot of Faber, the main centerpiece in the Kevin Fiala trade. And they signed him to an entry-level contract right after his college season ended. And that's a smart signing for Bill Guerin and his guys. Yeah, because not only, again, we know how good Fiala is, but Brock Faber, for all intents and purposes, we think he's going to have a pretty good NHL career. You get that prospect money, you get a chance to grow and play for a good team, and you can always use back-end help. So this gets taken away from Haskin, and that was a good stick by Boldy throwing it out there. And this is pinballed back in. Minnesota trying to recollect, but they got to dodge the forecheck. Tyler Sagan out there with Jason Robertson. So he is on the first line taking the spot of Joe Pov right now. Rope hints as this is spun now for Miro. Great move as he keeps it alive. Now working his way off the forehand back to D as it's settled down here for Robertson. Miral Haskin in trying to keep it alive. And a good active stick check again by the Wild as Robertson just forced to take a severe dump in. And this is picked up now by Dumba as he is getting cascaded with booze, and I think rightfully so, as this is recollected now by Minnesota. They gain the red line. Jake Ottinger plays it with the stick. And this is back now here for Dallas after a good outstretch pass and an even better move to gain the offensive end as Robo trying to keep this alive. As this is now back there for Esselandell. Fire! That's a high ripper off the wrist shot that goes up into the netting. Great save by Gustafson on Dallas' 17th shot of the night. As Miro Haskin is spinning and turning, working on Marcus Johansson. And, and you look at that one pass by Jason Robertson as he was trying to go right back. That was a great active stick check by Minnesota to turn that one away. And then Gustafson on that rip had that one off his blocker and right up right into the mesh. Philip Gustafson showing that he is pretty much undervalued in Ottawa, and now he's making Ottawa pay. That's a really good call by you. You got really good goaltending in this series, some good defense, and right now we've seen some capable offense, especially on the power play. It's a 2-2 game. Here's a slap shot for Miller, and the rebound either gets blocked or shot wide as Spurgeon was down. That was at 100 miles an hour. As this gets Go sent down the ice... Here's an opportunity for Dallas trying to keep this alive off the forehand and send it the other way. Roddick Foxa off the pinpoint feed. Here's Marchman. It's loose in the circles. Marchman trying to locate it. And this will get sent back down the ice for Miller now in the neutral zone. It's Thomas Harley out there with Miller in the third line defense there for Peter DeBoer's squad. It's picked up by Ty Delandria, but Brock Faber able to get this out. Minnesota try to go left to right here. Is in the white jerseys with the forest green pants. Dallas in the victory green at home. As this is still kept alive off the backhand. Minnesota 
making a nice play. Here's Dumba, fires it off the pad of Ottinger as he got uh, knocked down a little bit. He wanted a call. He shrugged his shoulders, but this is still with Dallas. Now Wyatt Johnston, sauce pass. Good opportunity for Dallas. We'll try to wait out the shot block, took away the play, and now it's blown down with 15.08. Man, goaltenders have the toughest job in hockey because I would not be able to last a minute while having to stop a, a shot that's going at 99 miles an hour. Boy, that was blazing fast. And Zuccarello right there with uh, Ottinger, he gets taken down. They make contact again. We wanted the call. And again, as you said with the bomb, I mean, I don't know how you see it, especially with the traffic in front. Jamie Ben again. Another opportunity, this time on the wing, to go ahead. And I wonder why he's not taking the draw. They're going to let Wyatt Johnson, but now it is Jamie Ben. So it's probably a good break there for Dallas. He's been exceptional in the offensive circle. I might have jinxed him, though. But here's another one. Jamie Ben wins this one clean as he just swipes it in off of the right side boards. Haskin into the traffic, and Gustafson makes a glove save. My best guess on why he went with Johnston first is that usually they want right, the right shot uh, guys to yeah. take faceoffs at the right side. So that was why Johnston was taking the faceoff initially. Then he got waved off, and then Jamie Ben stepped in. He's been great in the faceoff circle tonight. Well, that's a great call by you. A set play for a face-off win with the correct handedness on the circle. That's a great call. As it's Haskin and now, sent back around the end board. Sagan trying to locate it. Maybe Sagan will be the one that double shifts there. As this gets recollected off the outside of the cage. Here's an opportunity for Sagan, but Dumba tying him up. And now Sagan won't give up on the play. And this goes now near the left side of the paint. Now Suter sends it around. Here's a slap shot off the outside of the post. It stayed out. Here's a chance for Dallas now. Here they go fired at the net. It's loose in the circles. And now recollected by Brodine. Minnesota's got to get this out. The Zebras waved it off. I know it went off the outside of the post. Here's an opportunity for Sagan as it's still alive. And now the whistle's finally blown. I have no idea <laughs> how that stayed out. That was interest from being the, the game-breaking goal. And now Dallas with another great opportunity as Marcus Polino hooks Jason Robertson, leading you that call, and Robertson got it just across to Tyler Sagan. Let's see how close this was. Oh, that was so close. Oh, the two opportunities. And then and one of the stars got an empty net, and they, could, and they couldn't bank that in. That was so close. A four-on-four four now. The four-on-four is the confusing part for me because I see the hook that went against Robertson. We saw the shot from the blue line go to the left side of the post, and then a rebound opportunity couldn't be picked up by Dallas, and that brushed across the blue paint without going across the red line. But curiously, we have a four-on-four. Four. They're taking both Jason Robertson for embellishment and Felino for hooking. Wow. Wow. I was about to get to that embellishment part because I was wondering where the embellishment was. Honestly, Alec, I agree with you on that end. That looked like a blatant hook for Felino, but here we go. It's Boldy off the four-on-four. Four. We will see who this extra ice favors. It's picked up now Spurgeon. Fake the slap shot. Turn around. Good block on the other end by Dallas. As here's a race for the puck, Colin Miller. Will be the one that tries to locate it now as Boldy will swing a stick at it. Here's Freddie Gaudreau. Gaudreau will fire it right into 
Jake Ottinger and they'll hold on to 13-30 in the third. This has been a great game, my friend. Sometimes I wonder what would have happened if the Pittsburgh Penguins managed to keep Freddie Gaudreau. But then again, he got rewarded for a five-year extension in Minnesota, and you know I'm happy for him. Happy that he's got his money. And, and he got that shot off. He was stopped by Ottinger, but he's showing that he's worth the five-year deal. And the other name, because I, I only heard this because of the Steve Dangle stuff when I was listening to his preview against uh, the Lightning. Didn't he mention Jared McCann was also part of the Pittsburgh Penguins? He scored 40 goals this year. And I would not want to be reminded again that Ron Hextall chose to protect Jeff Carter over Jared McCann oh, and Brandon Tanev. Yeah, no, you, you absolutely nailed that one. That's why he's going to be sitting on the sofa right now and not uh, part of a front office. Yeah, yeah, he's no longer part of the front office, and honestly, it felt like it was for the best that he was let go, because it felt those like he was pretty much holding the team back, not yeah. not be well, not because of the top six still being there. He did his job in locking up the core for for and possibly making them Penguins for life. The main problem is everywhere else, especially towards the bottom six, probably the defense and the goaltending, because the goaltending is either injured or doesn't really show up when and it's the playoffs no you're right you have that and then you have depth issues and again you can't rely on you know Chris Letang of Ganey Mulkin and Sidney Crosby to be able to do all the stuff every single night it's about all the other pieces and when I'm thinking about Turbo and I'm also thinking about McCann I mean my goodness the Seattle Kraken are enjoying that and to protect Jeff Carter, yeah, he's been a great player, but he's he's not a Los Angeles Kings level guy anymore. He's not. And then you look all around the team, you got guys like Michael Granlin, who hasn't really been Nashville form when he got acquired from Nashville. <clears throat> then everywhere else, really, you could have got a Nick Bonino available. And now we're back in this game, still two-two on the four-on-four. So Suter now trying to locate it for Hans. We got a minute left to go on this four-on-four as we get a stoppage with thirteen twenty. So yeah, if, if we're going between these two teams, four-on-four, still questioning where the embellishment was from Jason Robertson's part because I didn't see anything that's close to embellishment. Uh, then you look at Dallas. You gotta have guys like Tyler Sagan, Max Domi stepping up for the team, finding their groove in the playoffs. Absolutely. Couldn't say that any better. Is this an opportunity of another win? And Suter fires a short side. This is held by Gustafson. But yeah, I, even when we got that look of the uh, penalty that was on Robertson that should have you know, not been called against him, that was a clear trip. I mean, that was about as clear of a look as we can get on a TV side. Yeah, I wasn't really sure yet. Yeah, as you pointed out, and I'm going to say this again, I wasn't in knowing where the embellishment was. We're getting a shot of Marc-Andre Fleury in the bench. And at this stage of his career, he's a reliable backup when he's called upon. Gustafson has clearly won the crease here, based off win by Dallas. Uh, Jamie Benn is absolutely dominating. I know I keep saying it, but I, I'm loving that effort right now, and that's what Dallas needs is they fire one right on, and this will be an opportunity here for... The Minnesota Wild, and you know it's Matt Dumba because of the cascade of boos as this gets sent all the way down. This is a long, outstretched pass. It's Matt Zuccarello as he got spun around. Miro Haskin unable to get a stick out there, and this will fall back to Dumba. He makes the play, gets it back off the sauce as the 
Booze continue to rain down. It's 12.35 left to go on the third. John out here with you on the play-by-play on American Airlines Center alongside Alec Nava. It's a 2-2 game. It's 32 shots here for Minnesota, 22 for Dallas. And this game has been a lot of fun. This game may, may have overtime. And if it continues to go long, Alec Nava might have to step in and uh, handle this play-by-play -play side so I can save the pipes if this goes too long. As this is sent back around, Steele trying to send this back around with the help of Boldy. As this gets recollected now by Robo, but his pass gets picked off. And this will allow Minnesota to flick this one in deep off the spin. As Lindell can't locate it as it's near the right side of the glass. Sam Steele, he was the one that recently tied the game at two in the second period off the breakaway off his great play. Johnny Hockenpah gets canceled off against the glass. This goes D to D, fake the slapper. Now Minnesota going to let it go into the traffic as this finds Hockenpah, able to get this one down to Robo as he's patient. And he takes a huge hit in near the player's bench. And here's an opportunity for Steele. And he fires that one short side and high. My goodness, some of the Dallas players getting absolutely upended. And now this will go the other way toward the right side dot. Minnesota will recollect. Faber tried to send it in deep as this goes back around the inboards. Felino takes a look at it. And now Genny Dodonov, he gets worked over. This goes up the right glove. Faber tries to send it to the net, and this one goes high and wide. Still kept in by Minnesota. They got the pressure now. As this is a time for Dallas to get this out. They got some weary bodies that are starting to get punished. Brock Faber with his stretch pass, and this goes away from Dumain. It's seven shots to three now. It seems like all three shots from Minnesota came within the last 30 seconds as this is flipped back in. And now Minnesota can try to acquiesce it the other way. As Jonas Brodeem, you get a great look at that one as he gets taken down. Here's Tyler Sagan trying to send it from the bullet paint. He's fighting the contact for Brock Faber. He's been busy. He made a great play to get it out. And now Minnesota. Off the flip, here's a chance for Johansson. Good save by Ottinger. They couldn't wrap it around. Now this is in between the circles and now recollected by Tyler Sagan. And his long flip it won't bother Gustafson, but he's got to brush it aside as Boldy. He gets away from a reverse hit, and he makes a long outstretched pass. And this gets iced. What action we had there, Alec. Boy, Minnesota has been busy at that offensive end. And the same guy getting that hit for Minnesota, boy, that was Marcus Bolino and Jason Robertson. And I know that didn't sit well with the Dallas crowd when Robertson took that heavy contact from Folino, knowing what happened last time around. But either way, the Wild have been so busy at the attacking end. All sorts of chances there. And, and Dallas fans, some of them may be angry once again on what they believe is yet another missed call. <laughs> I think that they have a case here, Alec, at least a couple of times. But this has been truly a game, as we said in the open, it's going to be full of bumps and bruises. And this is just game one as this goes now for Middleton. Middleton lost it. Here's Dallas toward the right side of the boards. Johansson trying to clear this one down here for Ty Delandria. Delandria with his pass. Here's a chance for Dolme trying to play it in between his skates. Another backhanded opportunity. As this one gets blocked, and it goes off the crossbar. Off the top side there for Dallas. Marshman trying to fire it out the traffic. And now Hartman trying to collect off the back skate. My goodness, this game has certainly turned on its heel. Here's Suter. 
plays it off the glass. Here's a good ship entry. Now Rope hits in full flight. You try to send it across there for Ty Delandria. Spin it back around. Rope will try to locate it. Play it off the backhand. Erotic Foxa now. Foxa with Delandria just trying to stick check this thing. And Kirill Kaprizov. It's been a little quiet here in the latter stretches of this game. As Dallas has good puck possession but a good steal there by Minnesota. As they can take this the other way. Kaprizov, could he stay onside? And they slap this one in deep. This goes off the stick knob of Jake Ottinger. And we've had 8.25 left to go in this third. Great entry there by Colin Miller, but an even better stick lift by Minnesota as they'll send it back down. It's Thomas Harley. Yes, he's got it. Dallas try to go right to left. Again, they are in the victory green with the black pants, the forest green pants for Minnesota with the white shirts. They are on the road at American Airlines Center. Game one, John Under with you on the play-by-play -play alongside Alec Nava. We sure picked a good one here for this opening night. This is a chance for Hockenpah to try to get a piece of this. It's Jamie Ben now, as this will be collected by Dallas. Dallas will gain the red line, gain the entry now toward the right wall. They'll dump us in deep, looking for a backhand opportunity, but there is no Dallas jersey in sight. Now in the high slot, they cycle Dallas off the give-and-go. This is played off the backhand. And this will be sent back down for Yanni Hockenpah. As this gets recollected now, Rope hints. It's a quick shift change for him. Here's Robo back on the ice. They're taking that huge hit from Felino. He stays with it. This is in behind the office now. Tyler Sagan will flip it around. Suter, now near the left side. Dodge sharp angle shot. Stopped by the left pad of Philip Gustafson. And this is flipped. Is it over the glass? That's the big question. Will this be delay of game on Brodine? That's what we'll find out when we come back from commercial break. Answer this, but it's all sorts of action back and forth. Offensively sound, defensively sound. This game has it all. Yes, it does, Alec. Again, I know when we were trying to pick our assignments. Thank you for joining me nonetheless, but yeah, I'm glad that we did this one. I, again, I was looking at the Oilers and Kings, and I know I want to get to that at some point, but with the injuries, I'm glad we did a little bit of the flex, because I don't think you're going to get anything more entertaining than this right now. Let me give you a quick little stat reset. It's still 2-2. Again, that's kind of stayed the same. Dallas had a couple of power play goals in the second. Minnesota had a goal in the first and the second. So, for our stat reset, we'll just give you the goals here. So, Kirill Kaprizov, 19-12 in the power play from Spurgeon and Zuccarello. Rope hints at 208 on the power play. Again, that took all about two seconds from Virginia Ben faceoff win. And then it was Robertson up the faceoff win. Miro Haskin and Joe Pavelski. And then Sam Steele breakaway goal from Gustav Nyquist pass. So what this leads to, 32 out of 34 for Jake Ottinger. Boy, has he been brilliant again for a 941. And on the other end, Philip Gustafson, Alec, not too bad. 22 out of 24 for a 917. Very sharp night by both of these goalies. And a little scoring update over at Edmonton. L.A. is on the board. It's Adrian Kempe who strikes in 52 seconds into the third period. Matt Roy and Anshay Kopitar have the assists. Well, that's certainly an answer there. And I should have said Adrian Kempe because I know I said that in my capsules. I think he's one of my favorite players on the team. And lo and behold, he's the one that scores. And last check on the score clock, if I look at it now, it says 3-18 in the third. It's a 2-1 game, and I'm just seeing it now on the TV side. So 
Take a look at it off the drop pass. Kempe, beautiful move now. What a backhand shot for Kempe. My goodness. Yeah, that, that was a sharp backhand <laughs> shot. That backhand was quick and swift. Left his stick in a hurry. And the shutout is ruined for Stuart Skinner. Oh, what a block. Oh, a great block on the other end by Johansson. If he's still not feeling that hit from the Jets on the other end, it's another face-off win for the Stars. And it turns into chaos. Max Dolly trying to tip it out of the air to himself. He actually wins the battle. Sends it back around D to D. There's a broken stick in toward the right side dot. Delayed penalty call. This one against Minnesota. Now Haskinen sends this across. Nice touch pass for Hintz. And this is saved by Gustafson. But Dallas goes back to the power play on a trip. Lots of twigs on the attacking end on Dallas's side. Because it seems that Minis and Dallas is getting set because it feels as if only four Minnesota players have sticks. And then Gustafson drops his stick at the end of it all. And now Garrett Spurgeon is heading to the box on that trip. So another power play for Dallas. This time it's not a four-on-four. Four. So let's see here. Spurgeon catches Mad Max right in front of the slot as Dolby was trying to get one right in towards Gustafson's traction. So Jared Spurgeon, he's the captain, he sits in the box now. This is costly, and Jamie Benn again is out on the ice. He's a chance, as Alex said, this time off the off wing. They win it, but Haskinen can't hold the line. Fifth in the NHL, as we said, in the power play, 25% of the two for two with two shots. As Robertson now. Maybe they can try to get the third goal here, all in the power play, and win this, and kind of steal it. As Haskinen now. Send it back for Jamie Benn. Now to Robertson, there are all sorts of traffic, diving bodies, and this will just be cleared out away from Haskin and Stick, where Jake Ottinger can take the touch. Here's Miro Haskin and now, in full flight now, attempts to take this one back here for Rope Hintz. Rope Hintz leaves it for the other captain, Dallas, Jamie Benn. This just hops off the stick of Robertson, but he is able to keep it alive. As Jamie Benn is in behind the office of Gustafson, diving attempt there for Dallas Stars. Got to be running out of gas. His Robo, he was in full flight just to try to hold on to this puck. Here's Tyler Sagan now. That's normally where Joe Pavelski would be, but it's Sagan and Benn. They're used to playing on the same line together at times. Freddie Gaudreau gets his pocket picked by Miro Haskinen now. Haskinen off his forehand, plays his pass up the right wall. Evgeny Dodonov, good drop, and this one... Might have got stopped there by Gustafson before it got sent back down the ice for Otter here. So he'll be patient, and they might need to make some changes. Again, the Donov's got it now here for the Dallas Stars. It's a 2-2 game. 5-15 left to go in the third. Dallas trying to go 3-for-3 three three on their power play, and it's been a host of goals on the power play. Three aside between the four goals that we have. Wyatt Johnston, Domi, collects, and that was blocked before it ever hit Gustafson, Suter now, here for Domi near the right circle, and Ryan Suter, he can't hold it, it goes in between his legs. Max Domi has to kick it, he's without a stick, he's got to go to the bench, but he's right there next to it, Wyatt Johnston trying to bother one in the wild, as this gets sent back down the ice, so Dallas power play now two for three. Ryan Suter has it here for the Stars, they'll recollect now with Roddick Foxa, as he has to chip and chase, there is a stick near the right side dot, more toward the red line, part of the trapezoid, as this gets picked up now for Dallas Stars near the left side line. They send this back around the inboards, hops over the stick, 
And now Haskinen tries to send it that way and it bounces right back to him. Dallas will flip it in. Here's a chance for Brock Faber. As he does the same thing, Boldy gets it out off the backhand. And it's a race for the puck. This will be won there by the Stars. See if they can gain their own defensive zone. As this is a good outlet pass here for Dallas. It's Radek Foxa with Kirill Kaprizov now. Plays this off his backhand. Ships it off the glass. Matt Boldy tried to locate it a third time trying to make that pass. As he does with Tyler Sagan able to get that stick lift as he throws it back to the Dallas defense. 3.45 left to go in this third. As this is flipped in, now Sagan will race for it. As it's sent back around for Jared Spurgeon. He's back on the ice after the tripping call. Picked up now by Robo. Here's an opportunity that can't be held by Yanni Hockenpah, but he plays it back to the defense now. Wrap this around the red line as this gets recollected and stolen by the Minnesota Wild, and they'll chip it in. Hockenpah tries to win the race. This is busy near the right side of the glass. Rope Hintz trying to transition to the neutral zone with Joe Pav with Jason Robertson. As this gets recollected now by Middleton. <clears throat> Middleton off the drop pass here with 3.05 in a tie game at American Airlines Center. This is game one in a 2-2 tie. Essel Lindell able to sweep it away from the Minnesota forwards. And off the forecheck. And now Dallas just able to stay on side as this gets sticked out of the air. This will go with the Wild and Felino can chip it in deep. Dallas will do the same. Here's a rush the other way for Wyatt Johnston, but good backhand defense for the Wild to cancel that out as we've hit 240 left to go in this tie game. Well, we have overtime. We're getting very close to that right now. Brock Faber tried to win this battle right now. This is near the left side red line. Gustafson taking a look at it on the stand-up. Haskinen, watch this one bounce off of him, and this will fall back to Ryan Suter. We get an offsides. This game literally has the feels of overtime coming. 2.25 left from it. Hasn't happened yet, however. No, it hasn't. And again, as I said from last year, when it was the Penguins and the Rangers, it was Evgeny Malkin playing hero in triple overtime. And honestly, Alec, I didn't think I was going to make it throughout that entire broadcast. And this certainly feels like this is a game that's headed into overtime. Strangely enough, that was the only triple overtime game, let alone the only game of that entire playoffs last year to ever go past the first overtime. The last time this happened, 2009, where ironically that one game between the Anaheim Ducks and Detroit Red Wings went to triple overtime as well. I remember that in the first round. I know there was a a few of those, there were some Justin Abelkader goals, some Henrik Zetterberg goals. Try to get into a Game 7 with the back injuries. Uh, it seemed like a long time ago since the Red Wings have been in the postseason because it has been a long time. I'm hoping that with all of the losses that Detroit has accrued and toward the back end of the season, I know it's a long shot. I'm not betting on uh, Connor Bedard. But hopefully they can move up past ninth and maybe not fall to 11th. That's as far as they can fall. I'd like to see what Steve Eisman can do with another pick. I know it's been a better year, but they still need another top six forward. They need another goaltender to back up Ville Huso. He can't do it all the time. So there's a lot left to do. So once this playoffs are all said and done, I can go back and uh, sulk a little bit until the season starts again. <laughs> And that's why I want to pay close attention to the development of Simon Edmondson 
Marco Casper and Sebastian Costa yeah. really close because Edmondson and Casper got NHL action at the tail end of the regular season. And if you look again, they got a little preview of what is to come for next year. Yeah, that was fun to watch toward the back end of those games. I agree with you on that side as the towels are waving at American Airlines Center. Again, I'm always jealous of anyone that gets a chance to go ahead and watch a playoff game in a building. I've yet to do so, and I would love to do that. That's one of my lists, as this is a chance for Freddie Gaudreau off of a long shot. It really seems like Jake Ottinger has not been tested in a while. Twelve shots to five in favor of Dallas in this third period, as it's been all Minnesota on the shot board up until this point in the third. Here's another long shot, and this one gets blocked before it ever hit. Colin Miller doing an excellent job cleaning out that blue paint, but this gets intercepted now by the Wild. Here's Freddie Gaudreau off the backhand trying to set it up for Baldy, and nobody home there. Jared Spurgeon got a race all the way back with a minute 40 left to go in this third. The shot board's starting to get a little more even here. 34-27, it's a 2-2 tie, but it's a 34-27 on the shot board for a minute. As this is picked up now for Hartman, this bounces off of Zuccarello, as they'll try to be recollected by the Wild. This will be Dallas trying to pick this up off the forehand. Rope Hints will get it out. He's always has a responsible 200-foot game. And he can also score and assist with the best of him. He's just a really good player. As this is settled the other way by Kirill Kaprizov. He's been a little silent here in this third period, as I've said. Here's the outstretch pass. Hartman, this bounces up into the air, but this will go right to the stars. Looked like Kirill Kaprizov was slow to get up, but he's slowly trying to maybe make his way to the bench as this gets spent back around here for Minnesota. And now Minnesota try to go left to right as we are under a minute in a tie game of this third period. Will we go to OT? This has been a fantastic game. Matt Zuccarello now will send this back around. Middleton, big save, Ottinger. He couldn't even get back into the goal crease, but nobody was there for Minnesota in time. They had open net to shoot at. And now Middleton sends it back across for his defensive partner before he gets it back. And this will bounce. This will be an opportunity for Hints to maybe kill some time for Dallas. Jamie Ben takes a hit as he's got it now near the left side of the red line. Ben gets a stick taken out of his hands as this gets sent down the ice. And icing is the call with 15 seconds in the third. That was a crucial clear by Dallas because nobody was at the Minnesota slots. And someone could have easily been there to bank in that rebound for the Minnesota Wild to get them up ahead. And seeing Kirill Kaprizov got banged up after taking that shove from behind by Ryan Suter. Yeah, he got, he got up from behind, upended from behind. And, and then that one-timer for the left circle. Boy, that was big by Ottinger. Ten seconds left to go on this third. And then we're going to have OT if nobody scores here. Minnesota got the puck to get an offsides with... 6.9 left, and now some pushing and shoving against Ryan Suter. I take it Felino didn't like that hit against Kaprizov. That's my best guess as well. Uh, and I know Felino's more of an agitator. Do you remember that that one time when they, Minnesota had that line of him, Joe Eriksson-Eck, and Jordan Greenway? Because that was their shutdown line. Now Greenway, who's having a down here, he's over at Buffalo. And now Eriksson-Eck, they want to get him back there as soon as possible, and yeah, Foligno's going to the bench after that matter of fact. 7.4 left until extra tie, sudden death. So Freddie Gaudreau gets a chance to win this year as the fans are pounding the glass. Ottinger plays it. We're going to OT, Alec Nava. 
why not? And how poetic is this? First game of the playoffs here, overtime. Absolutely. I know how to pick these game ones, my friend. I'm going to take a uh, quick little break here, and I will be right back. Our Puck drop. It's here are 39-37 Dallas. Yes, they are. And this has been a very physical game as we talked about. And again, you're talking about almost 80 hits on both sides, and that's going to continue to climb. As now Dallas will flip this out. They're going to be trying to go left to right. I think this went on the players' bench to get a stoppage in the first OT at 1939. And as we speak, indeed, the Golden State Warriors have fallen down 2-0 in a series for the first time since 2007. I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb, Alec, and say that uh, they're not going to beat the Kings four times. I think they're going to lose the series now. I say home team wins the first five games until the Kings win game six on the road. How about that? That would be a good bounce back on that side. That would make for a hell of a lot more theater. I like your pick. As this is flipped out now for Dallas off of a defensive zone draw. Anywhere that they've had the advantage, Alec, I know it might be a small thing to some, but the face-off circle has been key here for the Stars. And they really had a push in that third period, although there were no goals. They got a lot more even on that shot board. Here's a chance the other way. Jamie Benn off the backhand, working his way. He tried to stay patient. He couldn't get a wrapper on an opportunity. And now this will be sent back around here for Dallas as they'll take a look at it. Here's a good hit. This one's against Kaprizov, and now Minnesota will try to get this the other way. They'll go right to left. They're in the forest green pants with the white jerseys. Sent across here for Zuccarello. A chance of the slot. Sold by Andrew as he slides over. He saved the game for Dallas like he has been throughout this game all night long, keeping them in it. And, and maybe we could see some other chance here at the hangar, some tic-tac-toe passing and absolutely backstopping the guy who hit Joe Pavelski. Maybe some poetic justice. little Kendrick Lamar, a little poetic justice there on that side is there's a a draw win by Minnesota. They send this across the blue paint. And this is picked up now by Jacob Middleton. And now Felino being picked up across by Hintz. As this is sent back around for Hockenpah. It's a mess now. And the Dallas defensive end is Tyler Sagan now. He's spending that time on the first line, as we've mentioned. No return for Joel Pavelski since taking that hit in the second period for Dumba. And we will see how that changes things across the rest of this series, again, no Joel Erickson Eck, no Sunquist on that side for Minnesota as this flips up into the crowd. Off the stick deflected out, and you notice how injuries are going to be a major factor into this, this series. You mentioned about Joel Erickson Eck, you mentioned about Oscar Sunquist. Now add Joe Pavelski to that list. So I wonder who's going to step in and take his spot will be Tyler Sagan. Well, and who fills in on the fourth line should someone be bumped up? Maybe Joel Kibirata gets some reps on the fourth line. Yeah, I think that's a good call on your part. And again, I know all these series are going to be taxing for all of these teams, but whoever gets out of this one, they're going to be battered and bruised because I think this one is at least going to go six, and this is going to be a war on the ice, no doubt about it. 38 shots to 27, gloved out of the air nicely by Mason Marchment. And this one gets swept around by Ty Delandria, but can't be kept in the zone. Now Harley will send this back across for Yanni Hockenpah as this gets dumped in. Ty Delandria trying to get on his jets as this is picked off now by Merrill. He'll chip this off the outside of the glass. 
and flip it back down. Do we have a hand in there to indicate icing? Yes, we do. This will be Dallas in the offensive zone upcoming. And I wonder what set play Peter DeBoer has in mind after this icing. If he gets the right personnel onto the ice at the same time. Maybe get Robertson, Ben, and Hintz out on the same time as well. Well, that's not going to be the case. They have Radek Fox out taking the face off. So Fox, he's pretty good at this too. He can also slate into a second or third or fourth, wherever you want to put him. They got a Glenn Denning out there as well. So a little bit of fourth line magic here as this goes off of the five hole side of Gustafson, closes it down, and now it's near the left side dot. As this gets recollected across the wall there, Merrill will get a chance to locate it now off the give. He's got it. He'll flip it. This almost goes off a Dallas stick, and this is kept in. Here's an opportunity now for Glenn Denning. He tried to send it across the blue paint. And I think this one on a playoff a stick. Yep. So Dallas attacking the zone as they have been brought that for a period. They want to keep carrying this on over to overtime. We'll see how long this goes to. I just hope this doesn't go all night. <laughs> we will do the best we can. I will be with you until this game closes. But admittedly, I will be tired. We'll have to see about tomorrow if it goes that deep on that side. So Goudreau. Gets a chance to take this offensive zone draw. You're going to be able to get this one out, or defensive, I should say, as this is recollected here. And now here's Dallas again with the slapper, and this goes wide of Gustafson. This is flipped over the outside of the cage, and now Marcus Johansson, his outstretched pass as Minnesota gains the entry. Here's a chance off the backhand, Ottinger! Oh my goodness! Wow. Oh my goodness! If I thought that one time stop from Ottinger, and by Ottinger in that second period, wasn't the biggest save from him in this game, boy, do we have major competition for that now. Because series on the line, he got both of those all the way. My, this has been a master class from him, dating back to game seven. This was a bouncing puck on the initial shot. Daniel Hansen got the rebound. And when it seemed that the Wild were going to storm the ice, Otter says, hold my Otters. <laughs> Here's a slap shot. This one gets blocked. That was a chance for Johansson to win the game. I mean, that was a, a save that probably a lot of goaltenders are not going to be able to make. Now there's an opportunity for Dallas. As they'll fire this out through the traffic, there's a chance for Ben. As this gets recollected by the Stars. This is flipped back around now. And now here's some good body contact. Haskinen trying to deliver it on Dumba. This is trying to get picked up now for Hartman. Here's another bomb. And this one goes wide. That was in great shooting position near the left dot. As Dallas will try to locate it now. And it gets blown dead with a uh, hand pass or touch with a stick. That was a great one-time feed to Jason Robertson to set him up. To possibly beat out Philip Gustafson there. And as we're past the brief 30 mark of OT. Oh, what do you know? The Kings have tied the game with 17 seconds left. Well, I guess I don't feel bad, Alec, on that side that we would have missed a classic. We got two classics at the same time. And we've been trying to give you updates on that. So we're going to get double OTs. Yeah, and it's Andre Kopitar. Yeah, he's, he's the ageless one as well, Andre Kopitar. He's still one of the ones that's always been there for the... Original cup winning teams for Daryl Sutter. Here's Middleton now. Oh, that was into the traffic. That took a crazy hop. And this gets sent back down there for Middleton. And now recollected off the give back pass. In our game, it's 16 minutes left in this OT. 
2-2, sudden death. We're in game one, opening night. Here between Minnesota and Dallas at American Airlines Center. Here's a chance now for the Wild. Plays this off the backhand. It's Middleton. Into the traffic. This one goes wide off the right side of the glass. And now tied to Landria. Has it. Continues to skate with it off the chip and chase. And this goes into the player's bench for 15 and 43. And Jose is all up from, from here for both of these teams. No matter who wins in this game. So whoever wins it may have the momentum heading into game two. Though I wonder still if Pavelski's going to be available in the next game or if he's going to be available the rest of this series. Yeah, as you said, in between Sunquist, Erickson, Eck, Pavelski, there's some big names here that are going to be missing. And you're going to need these bodies in this type of war in this series. That's what it is right now. As this is only game one, and I'm using that term, but I mean it. Sagan off the backhand as he gives this one across. Is this an opportunity for a crisscross? Colin Miller will take a look at it. Into the traffic. This bounced all the off the wild bodies. And Philip Gustafson is down on his heavily padded wallet. Well, if this is a. If he's redeemed himself and now he's getting himself adjusted to playoff action. He has learned well from Marc Andre Fleury over his time. And he's been in his understudy. That was the initial plan for the season. Now taking over as a starter for the Wild here, he's putting up uh, is something that will make Flurry proud. I think so. Both of these goaltenders are doing an absolute service. This has been theater here in uh, Game 1. This has been a lot of fun. John here with you alongside Alec Nava. We're taking in this master class of a game. And a good pickoff there by Colin Miller. That would have been something for uh, Marcus Johansson. And now Dallas try to get it the other way with Roddick Fox off his back pass. As this is still with Dallas and Thomas Harley. Harley now will send this back around to Raddick. He'll fire into the traffic and this gets blocked before it ever hit Gustafson. And now this will be an opportunity there. Picked up now for Dallas as I'm sure the Edmonton fans are getting a live look in as they've just gone to OT. We're in OT in our game right now. Marcus Johansson off of his flutter pass. This goes away I thought from Kirk Braceop and now here's a drive toward the net. As this gets picked back up, it's Hartman. He'll collect now with Kirill. Kirill now lost it in between the left side boards. It seems like Dallas has really kind of put him under control ever since that first period. And now a chance goes way up and over out of play. That was a good block with a stick on Wyatt Johnson's shot. Chance for the rookie to end it in his first career playoff game. 19 years old. A chance to shine receiving defeat from Jamie Benn. Boy, he's too... Have been, have been thunder and lightning when playing on the same line. Yes, they have been. When you mention guys like uh, Johnson and Faber and everything, from everything we've seen right now, Alec, they've done themselves well on the ice here in this game one. Very much so. So Sam Steele, he wins the defensive zone draw. Speaking of young players, is Spurgeon almost gets dispossessed by Rope Hansen, knocks down the referee. And everybody loves it on the Dallas side because there's a hit and no penalty called on their end as this gets sent back down the ice for an ice. There you go. And now Dallas with another chance to end it here in OT, closing in on that six-minute mark. And we're looking back at some of the highlights from Jake Ottinger. So that tic-tac-toe passing, Matt Dumba gets stopped. And then that second period save. What a save. And then there was one, two big stops by Ottinger in this overtime frame. He now has one or two saves in his last two playoff games. 38 tonight. 102 in the last two. 
That's how good he is. This goes through the traffic, and Dallas can't locate the rebound. There would have been a gaping net to shoot at. And now Felino off the clear. This will be a chance for Miro Haskinen. It's a 2-2 game with 13.50 left to go in the first overtime. I feel like I need to designate that because we could be in for a long one as this is sent back down. But if it wasn't for uh, Jake Ottinger off Matt Dumba a couple times, this game would already be over here in the latest opportunities. And Matt Dumba is probably the anti-hero considering everything that happened. So if he scored the game winner, boy, oh boy, as this would be an opportunity now for Dallas to recollect. It's Haskinen in full flight. Able to check up at the blue line, but this will fall back to the Minnesota Wild as they'll be patient with it here. An opportunity is Dumba again. He's the one with the skate trying to play forehand. He's going to gain the entry here as this will be recollected by Hartman, but Esselindell able to locate it. Tied to Landria. Can't find it across the blue line as Minnesota will dump this in in the high slot. And this gets sent back around. Esselindell's got his stick stuck in in one of the Minnesota Wild, and now they'll pick it back up in their own end. With 12.55 left to go in this tie game in OT, it's 2-2. Two two. We didn't have any goals in the third period. It was a pair of power play goals for Dallas in the second. Nine seconds of power play time to score two goals, and one apiece in the first and second for Minnesota. I'll tell you, goaltending here has been amazing throughout this game. Under now at 38 saves, and Gustafson at 28. I can feel that there's some more saves coming in the way. And some more calls in which Dallas fans felt like they were, they were missed. I feel like, Alec, on this side, there's probably three or four calls that they could have argued to at least have. At least two guaranteed, but three or four. Now Sagan will get a chance to take this offensive zone draw against Hartman. And Sagan able to win this one back. It's kept in by Haskinen. And now fired at the net. Sagan gets hit in the face. And he is down, but he's back up on his feet. The fans are going to argue, where's the high sticking call? And I think, let's see here from this replay. So there's the shot. Yeah, yeah, he got oh. hit in the face with the stick. Not sure who that was, but that was definitely a high sticking call that the official should have gotten. That was uh, Brock Faber. Yeah, young guy. Ozzy, Ozzy, as with the Johnson penalty. Young guy trying to get adjusted right to the playoff atmosphere. Unfortunately, this is one of those moments. And that could have very easily happened two minutes. And Sagan is mad, rightfully so. Yeah, rightfully so indeed. I can't believe they didn't call a penalty on that. I mean, you could already talk about the way Dallas has played on their power play a few times at... This could be one of those ones that sent it the other way. We'll see what happens out of it, though, as it's a chance now for the fans to get agitated. You know what they're chanting, as this is Jamie Ben off the turnaround shot, closed off the five-hole by uh, Gustafson, recollected by Haskinen now, as we get a whistle with 12.22, and more hands in the air. There's going to be a penalty on Minnesota, I believe. A little bit of a makeup call here. We will see. I'll get a chance to see when we get the actual look at it. But now the towels are waving, and indeed, Dallas will go to the man advantage, and some of the fans take a look at it. There's another one, and they, again, that's got to be called. Evgeny Dodonov gets tripped. Yep, Jared Spurgeon and Evgeny Dodonov right in front of the crease, right to the slot as Dodonov was trying to redirect that puck, and Spurgeon caught uh, Dodonov, uh, and Spurgeon slashed Dodonov as, as Dodonov was moving in to redirect that. Dallas now with a great A chance to end it. 
Let's see if they can do so because their power play has been absolutely lethal. These fans are pumped. This is a wonderful sight at American Airlines Center here, Alec. This is fun. Oh, yeah. Nine seconds of power play time in the second period. This power play is no joke for Dallas. So it was another win for Jamie Benn. What else is new? But Miro Hickson will have to collect this now in between the neutral zone. 12.05 left to go in the first OT, but Dallas is on the power play. They've been really good. Merrill Haskinen with the wizardry of an entry. Now set it up for Sagan! And this one gets blocked out in front and cleared down by the Minnesota Wild. That was close. As every time Dallas touches this puck with the man advantage, they look really good. Now Robertson with a series of toe drags. Couldn't find Sagan. And this is going to allow Jake Ottinger to play this with the goal stick. 11.40 left to go in this OT. We are tied at two at American Airlines Center in Dallas in game one of the opener of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Rope hints now with Jamie Benn, the captaincy. will drop this back in the high slot. Haskinen, as this is a weird bounce in behind the net, and this will allow Minnesota to slap shot this all the way back down to Jake. We'll leave this here for the defense of Miro Haskinen. 50 seconds left to go on the Dallas power plays. They'll make this pass back to Wyatt Johnston. 19-year-old will drop this off here for Max Domi. Domi fires it. This goes off of Gustafson's glove. He can't hold it. And now this is still busy. Evgeny Dodonov now. He makes this a pass across for Suter. Dodonov plays it in between his legs. One of the wild gets bowled over. It's Suter now in the high slot. Patient is Colin Miller. It's Suter. A couple defense out there. Into the traffic, Gustafson makes the save! Dives down, loses the goal stick! This is near the left side of the dot! And now this will be an opportunity for Middleton to get it out, my goodness! So many chances for Dallas to end it and this power play, and that was the closest they have gotten. Gustafson was out of his crease there! Delandria short side, and this will be recollected by Mason Marchman. Ty Delandria tried to wrap around, gets denied, try to do so again. And Minnesota dodges a bullet. Spurgeon back on the ice. Here's an opportunity now for the Wild. Marcus Johansson will fire it from distance. And this will be now near the left side of the wall. Again, L.A. Edmonton is 3-3. Our game's 2-2. We're in overtime. They're going to overtime as we've hit the halfway marker. Again, the next time we get a stoppage will be for an ice scrape. And toward the right side, Doc gets blocked by the Dallas Stars. As this is sent back, kept in in the high slump. And this will be picked up here. Brock Faber tries to get a piece of it. Johansson tries to get a piece of it. As this is now in the neutral zone. There is so much body contact here. And you would think the tired bodies can take a change when they get to it since they're so close. As Minnesota will finally get a chance to recollect. They got a three on two. And the high slot. Here's the pass. Ottinger makes the save with the left pad. He was trying to close the five hole. And this will get sent down to the neutral zone now. As we've had 9.20 left to go in the soak team. Here's a chip and chase. John on here with you on the play-by-play, -play, being joined by Alec Nava, graciously so. I'm very thankful we can take into this game one, because this is probably going to be one of the best first-round games that we have, and I'm trying not to exaggerate as we get a stoppage. So officially 9.09 .09 left in the first overtime, and Dallas closing in on that shot mark. They're within five of evening Minnesota's 42-37 lead for the Wild right now. And Dallas, plethora of chances to end it. The closest was Evgeny Dadanov on that power play, getting tied up by Jake Middleton in tight on that rebound, trying to make a move. And then he was hurried out by Middleton uh, and trying to get that shot off. 
And, and Middleton said, not on my watch. That's a great look by you, because when I'm getting the third look at it now, if it wasn't for Middleton and a host of skates, even uh, John Merrill there, that could have easily been a win for Minnesota. But again, Jake Odger has been absolutely brilliant. Philip Gustafson has been pretty much the same way, as this has been a fantastic game one so far. And we're still waiting for a winner with 9.09 in the OT, where we're getting the ice scrapage, I believe, now. It's 42 shots for Minnesota, so Jake Ottinger's made 40 saves, and on the other end, Philip Gustafson, 35 out of 37. I have goosebumps. The fans have goosebumps. <laughs> and even I feel my heart rate rising because, man, man, I, I feel like I just want one team to win this. And if there's any team that deserves to win this, I feel it's going to be Dallas who deserves to win this. Jake Ottinger has been sharp. Their power plays look electric. Everything is going right for them. Yeah, when you think about the other situations at hand that we've talked about at length, you know, you'd think everybody's going for Dallas in this situation, but whoever wins this game one, again, it's, it's not a benefactor of who's going to win the entire series, but this has been so physical, so punishing, so grueling, Alec, that you have to feel like even a one win right now is monumental. Oh, yeah, win here for either side. It's paramount for them. And if you're in the wild, you want to get something and go on this, and go on and win this series eventually so that Joe Erickson can possibly return in time for the second round if he's available by then. Absolutely. A neutral zone faceoff win here for the Dallas Stars as they try to gain the entry. Glove it down here, Sagan. And this one gets fired wide off the backboards. And no, oh, it doesn't cross the line. This stays with the Wild. We're still underway. It's Sam Steele. I don't even know what that hit. Is this gets sent back around for Rope Hintz who gets punished. And now back down the other way. This game is absolutely bananas. Colin Miller almost blows a tire. And this gets picked off now. Nyquist, he makes a nifty little backspin as Felino gets a chance to collect it. And now here's an opportunity. Felino sends this back around. D to D. As they'll be patient, pivot, Dumbo with it, fires into the traffic, looking for a high deflection as this is flipped back down. Great glove keep out of the air by Dumbo, sets up the slapper. And now we get something called. There may have been something in the way there, but, you know, <laughs> you know how ironic it would have been if Matt Dumba scores this overtime, scores an overtime winner in the playoffs. That's not to mention Dallas was close in this game. And, and now Ian is sending it tweet is sending a DM to me. What is this game? I don't know if he's talking about Dallas or Minnesota or if it's Edmonton and LA. That can apply to both of these games. Because what is this game? That one went off of the backboard side, back off the glass, and then a pass across to Robertson that was denied by Philip Gustafson. Oh. That is a great speak. I'll add him on. As we throw this back around now, and Ben will send this back here for Haskinen. Haskinen now try to locate it there for Suter. Haskinen now still trying to fight there with Kirill Kaprizov. As this is sent back around now for Dallas. Dallas will get this here. Wyatt Johnson sends it across. Missed the net off the left side of the boards. But this still stays with Dallas. And in close play. Gustafson holding on to the left post. Haskinen trying to shoot an outside shot, but this bounced off the outside of the cage here for Ben. Now Minnesota 
matriculates this off the inboards. They gain the neutral zone, but Dallas shoots it right back in. As this gets recollected off the glass, and now sent back around by Suter. Suter patient. As Dallas looks to take this left to right, they'll gain the red line and wire it in. 7-10 left to go in this OT. As this is picked up now by the Wild and Dewar. As this will be recollected a couple more times before Dallas can do the same thing. They'll gain the red line and fire it in. Seven minutes left to go in this 2-2 tie in OT. Also got an OT game between Edmonton and LA. As John Merrill gets a chance to pick this one back up. It's Dewar now. He's got the puck across the red line now in full flight. Gains entry toward the left side wall. Here's Dewar toward the forehand. As he gets canceled off the puck by Hockenpah. Now look, Glenn Denning trying to send this the other way. Could be a three on two for Dallas. Glenn Denning off the backhand. He'll pivot. He ran right into the referee and one of the other wild. That's Jared Spurgeon. As he'll get sent back down here from Middleton. Middleton patient. He'll make the pass here for Dewar and Dubain. As this is sent in deep, Rope Hints will touch. 6.20 left to go in the scintillating overtime. 42 shots to 39. Minnesota barely got that edge. Dallas has really been pressing after having a slow start in that first. They're starting to really carry this pace of play. Why Johnson, the 19-year-old, had this bounce off the shin guards and back as this will go to Dallas. And here's an outstretched pass. And Gustafson will have to play this with the stick and off the wall as this will be... A chance for Freddie Gaudreau will have to spin. Play this off the backhand of Jake Middleton. Middleton will have to do the same off the glass. As this is a camera loss here, I just see a bunch of crowd fans. This is near the right side of the boards toward the red line side in the neutral zone. And Boldy, see him on the ice now. It's Robertson. Puts this in. And now Minnesota has it. Everybody's standing right now in American Airlines Center. This is a crazy game. 12 shots in the OT here for Dallas. They had a large margin in the third period as well as we get ice. Oh, damn. Everyone's standing on their feet in Dallas, and why wouldn't they? Their hearts are beating at a heart rate of, say, over 120, if I can make an estimate. <laughs> hey, Alec, you know how we were... Um... We were discussing, I believe it was yesterday, or maybe earlier today, about who the starting net for the Wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Phil Gustafson, and he has responded to the task. So this gets picked up now by Felino, and now Dallas will get a chance. Robertson spins this back around. This will get recollected by the Wild, but again, they're being solved in by the crowd. Everybody's been standing and swallowed up because they can't believe what they're seeing. I think all of us can't right now. As this is recollected off the back pass, a chance on in front, a diving play. As this was blocked by Spurgeon. Maybe this will put the Wild the other way. And up the forehand, now it's a drop for Steele toward the left side. Died. He tried to send one out in the middle of the circles, but that got blocked. As this eluded Radic Foxa, but this is kept in by the Wild. Near the right side of the red line, off the forehand. Somebody wants the slapper. That was Dumba, but that was blocked before it ever found Jake Ottinger. 4.25 left to go in the OT. Good reverse hit there by Dallas. The Minnesota keeps it in again as this blocks off a couple of players and Middleton and sent back down the ice here for Dallas. It's Marchment off the give and go. He's got it now. And toward the right side, he'll pivot toward the wall. He'll throw it right to the Wild. 
Zuccarello gets the steal. Kirill Kaprizov. Here's Zuccarello. Probably wants to shoot this one off the give and go. And this gets blocked. I thought maybe it would be Zuccarello letting it go. But it's tied to Landria now. And toward the right side wall to Landria. We'll leave this here for Marchment as it gets sticked away. And now flip down the ice as it will be recollected by Yanni Hockenpah. 3.45 left to go in this OT. Picked up off the back skate, Radic Foxa. This gets sent back down. Colin Miller and the rest of the forwards here for Dallas go take a change. Minnesota stuck in the middle of it. Here's a drop for Foxa as this goes off the left side boards and Dallas players falling down like bowling pins. Now into the neutral zone. Right side wall. Johansson with a sauce pass attempt. But this will go right now here for Dallas. Collected across the wall. Here's an opportunity now for Luke Glendening, but he's by himself. He'll spin, and he takes a big contact against Middleton. And he feels like he's been out there for a while in between the right circle. And this is solved by Gustafson with 3.07 in the OT. The goaltending clinic continues for both of these teams. Yes, it absolutely does on this side. Again, we are getting a look on the score clock in our game. It's 3-3 between... The LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers, time continues to count down. Ours is stopped at 3.07 in the OT, and I know uh, Ian's joined on this side of it, and we talked about it, and between Alec and myself, this could be a game that goes multiple OTs the way that this is going, and at least if it does that, Alec might have to pick up this play-by-play -play side of it. Another face-off zone win, flopped a couple times by Dallas, kept in, though, by Haskin, and he didn't give up on the play. Now near the left side of the boards, it's Ben. Drop it here for Miro, and this one gets blocked out in front before it hit Gustafson. Spun back around is Jonas Brodeen, and he'll put this one in deep as Connor Dewar now tries to get this out. Dewar, he lost it, and now this might be an opportunity for Dallas. I'm going to try to locate the puck here, or the Minnesota Wild off of a couple of stick chops, and they will get it now. It's a three on two. Dallas has the three, but this will be an opportunity for Steele. Center dangerously out in front for Foligno, but it didn't find anything. Here's a stretch pass for Dallas. Dallas has a rope Hansen. Gustafson swallows it up in his stomach. Oh, my God. He just won't. He just won't let him through. <laughs> I mean, when you look at this, this was a... Blazing shot by Rope heads on the other side, but on the other way, that was a dangerous centering pass over to Marcus Bolino that could have easily been backhanded. I think if Dallas defender got a stick on it to nullify that chance and to prevent that from getting to the net. So a rare offensive zone draw loss here for Dallas. As this is Minnesota now, Middleton will spin this around off the head. This gets recollected by Dallas, and they'll do the same. Middleton will try to collect near the left side of the boards. See who can keep this one in. Everybody's still standing here at American Airlines Center as this is recollected in the offensive zone. Marcus Johansson gets canceled off the puck by Colin Miller. Kirill Kaprizov tried to locate it. And this is dangerous here for Robertson, but he was able to no-look backhand this thing across the neutral zone where it's an opportunity for Jonas Brodin. Gets sent back around here for Spurgeon as Dean Evison has mixed the defensive pairings. Down to a minute 35 left to go in this OT. And this gets picked off. Here's a clear and attempt. And we'll see who can race for it. It was Mason Marchman trying to find it. But he was expertly stick lifted by the Wild. Minute 25 left to go in this OT now. 
as this gets recollected toward the right side wall. Marchman trying to find it. Here emerges Ty Delandria. He's getting through a couple of stick chops. He still keeps us alive off the backhand, centered in deep. Domi's getting worked over as well. This has been a very physical game all the way through. Here comes a shot through the traffic, but it got blocked nicely there by the wall before it hit Gustafson. Down to a minute left to go in the first overtime as one of the stars gets knocked down and slow to get up. That's Marchman. That was Marchman that got the hit from behind. And that sequence in the tail end of things. And Philip Gustafson continuing to stay sharp ever since the start of the third period. I know there's a note, a sticky note that's right next to me that says, Believe in yourself. Of course, Gustafson is believing in himself. That's what he's doing in making these big saves. I think your uh, post-it note, sticky note there is apropos for these two teams that are both currently in OT. <laughs> Basically, in a sense of speaking. I can say the same thing for Jake Ottinger. Absolutely. Minnesota Wild 4-12 and in series openers in playoff history. That's not very good as this goes off the outside of the cage. Maybe off the helmet of Gustafson from Jamie Benn. As we're down to 45 seconds, will we get double OT? Haskinen wants the bomb. This is just a pinball madness in front of the slot. And Middleton able to clear it out. I feel like I've been calling his name a lot. He's getting a lot of extra time in this OT. Got to be one defensive pairing that Dean Everson trusts. And now Gustafson, standing here for the Wild as you try to go right to left. It's certainly been a while. Nyquist off the drop pass. Opportunity for steal. Kirill Kaprizov, great move. And now he's got to pick it back up as he gets blasted into the right side boards and loses an edge. And now Dallas, quickly the other way. Here's an opportunity for Miro Haskinen off the back pass. And this gets sticked up in the air and out of play with eight seconds left to go in the first overtime. It's not an easy task to shut down Kirill Kaprizov when he's at, an, uh, at the offensive end. But that's exactly what Radek Foxa does. He's up to the challenge and denies him a chance. Absolutely. You see Wyatt Johnson there trying to let this one go off the next one. And that was a good stop there by Gustafson. As you said, Alec, both of these goaltenders have been absolutely magnificent. And the saves for Gustafson, they've ramped up 29 from the third and the OT combined. Wow. So Ben and Gaudreau. Ben's been very good at this. It's a key face-off with the late time. There's a trap against Miller. You would think so. He's not getting the call. And we're going to the double overtime. That's unbelievable. That's like, I don't know how many missed penalties were on Minnesota, according to what Dallas thinks. And of course there's pushing and shoving after the matter of fact. I know Dallas is upset with the no call, and I say rightfully so, because I felt that they got and they they got raw dog out of a two minute power play. So Miller here, the stick is right out there for Boldy. I mean there's no excuse not to call it. Yeah, yeah, Boldy caught Miller right on the skate with a stick. The full extension of the stick of Matt Boldy. And Tyler Sagan is swearing like a sailor. <laughs> yes, he is, and rightfully so. So everybody I know that's been going in between the Twitter spaces, again, thank you guys, between Ian and Alec on that side. It's been pretty active on the YouTube side as well. We're going to double OT, so hedge your bets. I think this is one thing I want to do before I take another quick break. Tell me, guys, who is your overtime hero on both sides? Who scores? So I'll start with you, Ian. Um. Jeez. Oh, Jeez, man. 
choose for this? Just have fun with it. Pick one. Uh, you know what? You know what? Uh, screw it. Uh, the, the Minnesota Wild, well, the Minnesota Wild, they gotta get off this close but never close enough Schneider. So did we just get a game-winning goal on the other end for the Edmonton Oilers? It's... They waved it off. They waved it they... off. Okay, thank yep. you, Alec. They waved it off. I'm currently watching the game right now. I swear, if this game ends before... <laughs> The Minnesota Wild and Dallas Stars game. I'll, I'll hedge my bets and say that, it, that it's going to. I think it will. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead, Alec, if uh, you'll be so graceful. Let me take it first. I think it's an uh, easy name to take, but I'm going to go ahead and say somebody that's been all over the puck right now. I feel like he's been a little bit snake-bitten, but I'm going to go with uh, Marcus Johansson. He's looked good today. I'll take him for Minnesota. And for the Dallas Stars, let me go with the youngster. I'll go with Wyatt Johnston. All right, so, so for my end, if I were to pick one from both sides, I'll, I'll go. If I'm going to choose someone from Dallas, I'll go Jamie Ben. Okay. How about that one? Because I like that one. The winning faceoff left and right, and he, he can get it done in overtime, in my opinion. Now for Minnesota. This is when things get interesting because I know there's the whole there's the whole hit controversy on if he should get a five or two, but he's going to have an assist in the game-winning goal to add to the irony. He's not going to score, but he's going to assist. Probably get the primary assist as well. It's going to be Freddie Goodrow, the man who got a five-year extension with Minnesota. I like those calls. We will see what shall come to pass, and we will see right now in our live look-in in between uh, L.A. and Edmonton which one of these games ends first. I will be right back, gentlemen, and we will get to the double overtime. Oh, my name is Spicy Pork and Broccoli Game I do. of Louis Domingue. That was a lot of fun on that side, and I get, I feel like we might be having shades of that, my friend, on this side. It's been a fantastic game. And boy, these back end of these night games, when you talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs and all the intrigue that we can bring, we're going to have three out of the first four all finish within a one-goal marker, and the last two go into OT. As again, as Alex Iafalo scored the game winner for the LA Kings, as the road team gets the upset. Again, not an upset on my watch. We know how good the LA Kings can be. But again, we just talked about that, Alec. Again, missing with uh, Gabe Villiardi and Kevin Fiala. And they won the first game on the road against Edmonton. They're in a great spot. It goes to show how, how good Jonas Corpusalo is and that he is capable of stealing games for the LA Kings. But don't count out the other forwards on LA. Adrian Kempe of a two-goal effort. Andre Kopitar, the tying goal of 17 seconds left. And then Alex Hayek followed the winning goal. We are now underway in Dallas for the second overtime. So Colin Miller will dump this in, and we will see now if we get a definitive goal in double OT. Again, as if this game couldn't get any more intrigue. It's been Dallas with a really late push. Here's a short side slapper, and that one gets solved by Gustafson as he holds on to the right post. And recollected now is, again, all the fans, I'm sure they got the refreshments, and now they'll continue to stand for as long as his 20 minutes will take. And this is sudden death OT. We can go all night. As this is picked up now for Sagan, this is entered into the traffic and recollected now by 
Gaudreau. And now Gaudreau will get this across as Minnesota gains the entry off the backhand. And this is sent back around the inboards here for Jake Ottinger with Meryl Haskinen. Haskinen now patient off of the long flip. This goes off the glove hand of Jared Spurgeon, the captain. And now Minnesota will try to gain the entry again right to left here in this double overtime. And this goes right in the catching glove of Jake Ottinger. From around the same angle as Johnny Gaudreau scored that overtime winner in last year's Game 7. For that one shot and that double overtime that he caught. You are embarking a lot of happy memories of my other broadcast partner, Cooper Hopkins, because he loves to talk about Johnny Gaudreau, who now spends his time in Columbus. He is out in the playoffs now. He's watching, and so are the Flames. Maybe they're watching this game because it's been absolutely excellent. This is still the last one on right now. As this is flipped up here for Jason Robertson. Robertson will recollect as he gets around Spurgeon. And this is pinballed off of Tyler Sagan and into the crowd. As I actually see a Steve Ott jersey in the crowd. My goodness. Steve Ott. That's a name that I haven't heard in quite a while. <laughs> yeah. The, the only reason I like that uh, gentleman on that side, because that is my last name, so I can't actually use that in the NHL games. It's not a very common last name, apparently, but... I see someone repping a Steve on. It might be Steve himself. As it's Ronick Fox uh, trying to take the draw now as this one's sent back. And this is won by Dallas again. They've been excellent in this contest on the draw as this is recollected by Dallas. And now it's Ronick Fox. We'll chip this one down. This gets taken away by Spurgeon. And this is out of play again. So, twice. So, fun fact. Well, that's not a very common last name there is in fact a very famous baseball player by the name of Mel Ott yes I, for I forget which team he played for but he had a very successful career yes he did more so than Steve Ott did in hockey is <laughs> more of a Hall of Famer on that end as this is recollected here Meryl Haskinen he has it toward the right side wall this will bounce off a couple of bodies and be recollected now by Dallas Pick this back up off the backhand, and Dallas will have to go back in their own end and race for it. And this will be an opportunity to Jake Ottinger way out of the goal crease. He'll play this near the right dot. And now Minnesota in their own end. And the forest green pants and the white shirts. They're going to be trying to go right to left. Dallas go left to right on the other end is Brock Faber, former Minnesota Golden Gopher, now playing for the Wild. He's playing his first ever playoff game. And now toward the right side wall, Dallas will collect. Again, we're at this point in the OT where you just don't want to make a mistake and fire shots on net. It's going to be lethargic and a war of attrition here with this many minutes. And again, you play the very next day after that. You get a day off and play the next day. So there'll be some winded bodies. Felino has it now. As he'll get this across for Steele. Send this off the wall. And this will go off the stick shaft of Jake Ottinger. 18-6 are the overtime shots in favor of Dallas. Up 3-1 to one on that end, and Philip Gustafson's been really good as he's been tested. Here's a good pivot here for Minnesota. They try to get this toward the right side dot as it eludes a few bodies. And now picked up toward the right side dot as this gets shoveled in toward Jake Ottinger, but he finds it with the glove hand. And we get a stop with 17-12. As great as these games have been, unfortunately, unfortunately it's not going to hit the headlines tomorrow given the Given the drama that happened in uh, in the Sacramento game, in the Sacramento Kings Golden State Warriors game earlier tonight. Yeah, what happened between Draymond Green and DeMontis Sabonis when Draymond stepped on Sabonis? 
More like stomped. Stomped, because, man, that looked ugly. I just wonder what Draymond was thinking when he did that. Uh, I, uh, I just chalk it up to Draymond being Draymond. He's, he's always done this crap. He's a punk. So Boldy gets the draw. And this will go back down here for Dallas as they'll recollect it. Sagan now in full flight. He'll just chip this in as Robertson will take a look at it. Spun around the inboards there was Felino, And now sent back down. The race for the puck that Thomas Harley will win with 16.50 left to go in the second overtime. It's a sloppy clearing attempt there for Dallas, but they are able to get this across the red line here with a wild. Can pick it off. It's Gaudreau off the sauce. Baldy tried to play this off the back end. It goes off the left pad of Ottinger. And now Dallas will send this the other way. Robertson, he can definitely play hero, but this is deflected nicely by Minnesota. And we'll get a stoppage of 16.30. By Freddie Gaudreau to deflect that shot by Jason Robertson right into the mesh and to keep this game alive. Boy, this game has gone on forever. Yes, it has. And gentlemen, I appreciate you sticking with me. But if you need to go for any stretch of the imagination, I won't be sad on that side. I can definitely carry it off. But thank you for all of your support today because this is a long game. This is how it was for me last year in the triple overtime, as you referenced. And uh, we might have that again. <laughs> Oh, man, I was sweating in that triple overtime game. If you, you know me about me being a Penguins fan. Absolutely. Evgeny Malkin was the one that played the hero, and I was elated because my voice couldn't take any more. And now Rope Ince with Jamie Benn will put this one here. Spurgeon plays this off the backhand, nicely intercepted by the Stars. As they'll get a chance to recollect, try to hit this off the outside of the cage, try to bank it off of Gustafson. And now Haskinen now for Suter. Suter, patient. As it gets blocked, it goes back to him in the middle of the circles. Dallas trying to locate this, trying to, trying to spin and keep it alive. It's opportunity here for Ben. As Ben gets worked over now by Middleton and now Wyatt Johnston. Middleton seems like he's been out there for a long time. Every time he's been on the ice, more than two minutes. Here comes the slap pass. This goes off the left of gloves of Gustafson. And now it's still madness in behind the office. There's almost a tripping there against Dallas. And they'd be irate if they had that call at this point with all the missed ones that Minnesota's been able to get away with. Center on the inboards now. Minnesota trying to pinch just to get this up, but now it's more of a shadow. Here's Foxa! Oh, that got blocked! It would have been Wyatt Johnson game winner! But we press on here. And now into the neutral zone. It's an opportunity for Dallas and Minnesota to find the puck. Again, it's hard to... Take a picture of it between all the fans that are standing as Felino trying to locate it now quickly taken the other way. Here's a rush toward the net and this one gets flipped up high. But it's not live, I guess. You get the play blown dead at 15 minutes from a Hartman opportunity. That would have been a textbook welcome to the playoffs moment for Wyatt Johnson and he banked that in. He was in the right position to get that one in. Then on the other side, Ryan Hartman with a great look right to the Nets. There was one defender on him, though. But, man, Johnston, that would have been special. And that would have made me look good because he's my overtime winner that I'm going to take. And, again, the overtime winner is going to extend through all the overtimes, no matter how much it goes. That's the rules in that. So it's Hartman and off the draw, and Dallas gets another defensive zone one. Again, they've been always been able to start with the puck possession, and that helps with the winded bodies. Again, usually in hockey, you want to keep your shifts about 35 to 40 seconds. 
They're going to really have to do so now with the OTs. There cannot be any mistakes, any silly passes. As this is flipped up now. Try to be found by Hartman, but he got punished near the right side of the glass as Dallas will try to press this the other way. The overtime shots are 20-9 to in favor of Dallas. They've really controlled this pace of play. And again, Kirill Kaprizov, he had a very flashy first period. And as his shot got blocked, curiously, and this is sent in deeper, where Dallas tried to get this out of their own end. Ty Delandria eludes some of the body contact as this gets flipped back down the ice and picked up by Dallas. 14-10 left to go in overtime numero dos as this is flipped in out of the air. Collected by Minnesota. Domaine lost it. And this goes over the wall. 14.03. We get a stoppage. <sighs> I just can't help but imagine what's going to happen around here. Because Luke Gwendenning now has a cage on his, uh, wrapped up around himself on his helmet. wonder if he took something up high previously. I was going to say, Alec, unless I wasn't a student, I didn't notice him wearing that when we started this game. Yeah. So Sagan now, all oh, this goes across the crease, but there is nobody there for Dallas. 13.50 left to go in this second overtime as it gets recollected. And now the Wild. And off the rush, it's Freddy Gaudreau. This is who Alec called. Here's the sauce. What a stop by Ottinger. Oh, my goodness. It was and we press on as the Wild gets... amazing! Highlight reel! I'm sure, again, this is his third highlight. And this is the second overtime. Evgeny Dodonov here presses it with Jamie Benn. Wrap this around the inboards. Now in the high slot. This gets deflected. Can Iskinen hold it? No. Into the neutral zone now and across the red line. As this will be recollected, Connor Dewar will take a look at it. And now Johnston back on the ice here for Peter DeBoer's squad and the Dallas Stars is Otter will take a look at it, and this is ice. So Dallas get an offensive zone draw. We know how good they've been at this, Alec. They could end it quickly. I am in amazement. That was his third highlight real save of the game. Because it looked like Minnesota was going to end this here in double overtime. Marcus Johansson shifting from his forehand to his backhand. Only to be met by the left pad of Jake Ottinger. This man is on a mission. And I want to say this for the record, folks. I did say Marcus Johansson and Wyatt Johnston, but I got denied by both goaltenders and some block shots. So here we go here for Suter as this is flipped back around. Picked up by Dallas. They'll fire this across the embankment wide as it's recollected now by the Minnesota Wild. This has been a fantastic game, and Minnesota with some winded bodies have to deal with an offensive zone draw yet again. They're tired, and it seemed like in that last <laughs> icing, I thought it was too close to call between Miro Haskin and Ryan Reeves, but up here, what's it called? So here we go, Alec, on this side, 45 saves now for Gustafson, even more so than Ottinger. Dallas has really been on this thing. They just need to find another goal. They've been the better team of late. This one swallowed up from a Haskin and shot by Gustafson. So make that 46 now for Gustafson. Merrill Haskinen is one of those guys we talked about from the open. Oh, boy, it seems about four hours from now. In the sense of it, if you're keeping track of time at home, he is one of those guys that can be a Norris Trophy candidate. 
He can skate with the best of them and get shots on. You're just trying to fire anything you can at these goaltenders. But as we talked about in the open here too, Alec, both of these goaltenders, they have their absolute A-plus game going. A-plus indeed. They've been stopping shots left and right, and you'd wonder if these two goaltenders would land the free stars of the game. Haskinen, you would think so. you got to walk for at least one and two. Suter. Off the drop, here's a bomb for Haskinen, gets deflected in behind the net, Dallas has it. Haskinen sends it across for Suter. Suter, he just puts it in behind the net, doesn't find anybody. Rope hints, will collect. Dallas keeping it into the zone. Robertson, pivot move! And this gets blocked by the Wild, but kept in now by Haskinen. Haskinen, this goes out of the offensive zone, and Dallas will have to recollect. 12.05 left to go in this double OT as it gets shoveled aside and away from Jason Robertson. 2-2 is still your scoreline. The last goals that we've had have been in the second period, but this game has ratcheted up every single period, and now the offense is really getting underway. And for all intents and purposes, it is. It's just these goaltenders have been so damn good on the other end. There really is nothing you can say. As this is picked up now by Spurgeon. Great pass on that side of Matt Zuccarello trying to keep it alive near the right side faceoff dot. We'll center one around for Hartman, and Hartman will do the same. We'll pinch it back to D here. Spurgeon into the traffic. It's just a wall. This might have hit Fox, but he might have got tangled up as well. Spurgeon near 32 and a half minutes of ice time. It's been a long time for these uh, six defensemen, and Spurgeon's the captain. You'd expect him to lead it. Partial fan, but this will allow Merrill to get this across. And now in off the rush, and now somebody just blows a tire there from Minnesota. And see if this is a rush here for Domi. Domi, great setup toward the right. Don Gustafson saves it. Oh, everyone missed it. Oh, my goodness. 59. Oh, my goodness. We are still here, and it is still tied. These goalies continue to press on. Just when I thought Ottinger would make the save of the game, did I just see Philip Gustafson? Oh! That one got blocked by Brock Faber. That went up high! <clears throat> he had an open net! I thought Gustafson got across, but Marshmitt fanned up, just flopped it, and sent it up high. Tends to be a hero. Oh, no! Well, well, regard, well regardless, both of these goalies yes. are... Are the personification of Hadrian's Wall right now? <laughs> they they are an absolute wall, and there's nothing to be decided now. That second one got shot wide, but that was a great attempt anyway. It was a dive by Brock Faber to try to get a piece of it. Great movement between the legs and a penalty oh, out of the air. Oh man, a penalty this late? Oh, this could be, this could be the dagger. This could very well decide the game. If Dallas can bank this in on the man advantage, they were 2 for 2 in a span of 9 seconds in that second period. So if they can net two power play goals in 9 seconds, of course, Freddie Gaudreau was trying to argue that he can get away with it. No, sir. You cannot get away with it here in the second overtime. And finally, the Dallas fans get their wish, a call towards their favor. Yeah, you talk about the uh, Kendrick Lamar poetic justice on that side of it. Well, now Dallas finally got that. And now they can see, as you said, it only took nine seconds for them to get two goals. 
and they'd like to end this just as quickly. Not just because everybody's tired, but he wanted to stop taking this body contact. It's been a very physical game. He had another win by Ben. Here's Haskinen now. Rope hits off the outside of the bar! Oh my goodness, and now Meryl Haskinen with Robertson. Aziski continues to ratchet up. Haskinen lets it go, and this goes off the backside of the inboards. Rope hints here for Haskinen. Haskinen will settle it down for Robertson near the right dot as they work in behind the net. Robertson, patient, as he's still with it. Try to center out front of the slot. Find Sagan, great pass. What a diving shot block there for Jared Spurgeon. As it's Haskinen now. This stays with Dallas. They've looked dangerous. Here's Robertson. And this one gets blocked by Minnesota. Minnesota desperate just to try to get this out. They will gain the neutral zone. But now here comes Haskinen. Rope hints off his back pass. It's Sagan. Now with Jason Robertson near the right side dot. Robertson dropping for Rope here. Miro Haskinen and off the give and go. Ben's wide open. Drops it here for Haskinen. Now Ben will recollect as he surveys. Robertson trying to set it back up in the middle of the slot. This will fall back to Robo. Robo with an extra move. Now it's Ben. There's diving shot blocks everywhere for Minnesota. And they do clear it out. High off the end glass. A heroic clear at this point. I wonder if that went out of play. Where exactly did it go out of play? So the officials are going to see here, well, did it go over the glass or did it go to the benches? Because remember, if it goes to the benches, that's not delay of game. If it goes over the glass, indeed that is delay of game. Yes, you called it on that side. And again, this is absolutely nuts. 9.33, double overtime, Dallas on the power play again. This would be their fourth. And now we will get our stoppage for the momentary ice scrapes. That's all you get in the OT. There are no commercial breaks. So everybody get your sip of water. That's what they're doing right now. As we're taking a look on it, in the middle of the YouTube side, I can give you the official time that we're at. Uh, boys, here it's 4 hours and 11 minutes. Yep, that's the time span officially in this game. And it feels like longer than that. So when you look at game one of Lightning Blue Jackets in the bubble, in contrast, that's a total of six hours, <laughs> 13 minutes. That, that was the Jonas Corposalo experience, and he was the one that got the win in that today against the Edmonton Oilers as the LA Kings took a one nothing series lead. The only game one that we're waiting to end on right now is the one that we're covering. And again, maybe I gave Alec a little bit of a disservice as far as giving this latest game, but... I'm glad that you're here with me, my friend. Now back me up because this has been a wild, wild game. And all the stars are aligning together. This is this is setting up. See, this should be the type of game that gets people watching hockey. Just straight up. But, you know... There's always something. There is always something that will make hockey seem second fiddle, even when it's, even when there is a classic like this. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that, Ian. On that side, it's a shame. But for anyone that actually is undertaking hockey on that side, again, you just get pure theater. The Stanley Cup playoffs is the best playoff format of any sport, and I will. Take that one right to my grave. I will argue that. 
I know we get some uh, comments on the YouTube section. Said so Dallas, I think they might lose this game, but I want the Stars to win, especially what Dumba did to Pavelski. And then Ryan also says if Oilers lose game two, he thinks that series is over. We will find that out. That's a lot of intriguing commentary just with one game in between the Oilers and the Kings. But you may very well be right, my friend, on that side. As we're going to get back underneath the action here, 9.33 left to go in this double OT. They keep showing it on ESPN, and for good reason. 22 overtime shots for Dallas to just 10 for Minnesota. They won yet another draw. Here's Robo off the back pass, and now Miro Haskinen. Back to Jason Robertson. Robertson drops it out for Haskinen in the high slot. This one goes off of the outside of the backboard and then picked up as this is cleared down by Minnesota. And now this will be a race for the puck off of a shorthanded opportunity as Haskinen cancels that one off. And Robertson with a quick little back pass and a cheeky move there from Hintz to Ben. And now Hintz has it now. So he'll spin near the right side. Dodge. Drop it for Miro. Hintz sets it up for Robertson. Is he going to let it go? This goes off the outside traffic there for Minnesota. Picked up now by Robo. He'll fire it right on. And Gustafson makes the save. He's been busy and he's been excellent. I mean, I can say the same thing for Jake Ottinger as well, but Gustafson has been sharp throughout the, the shorthand and throughout the shorthand the time for Minnesota. This save no different. Absolutely, and again, you can mirror that comment. You're absolutely right on that end. But Gustafson, we can say this for certainty. The opportunities have ratcheted up in between the third and the OT, and now in the second OT. Who knows? We might get a third. As this is 8.45 left to go in the second frame of OT. Essentially, we're in the fifth period. This bounces high off the air near the blue paint. And this was an opportunity for Minnesota now to collect and go right to left. As this is off the windmill. This is kept alive by Minnesota. Who's going to take this one? That's what the crowd's been wondering. They've been standing the whole time between both of these OTs. Now near the right side of the wall. Good drop pass here for Dallas, and they'll fire one on. It'll made Gustafson drop the stick out of his hand, but this will go back the other way for Colin Miller as he collects in the Stars' defensive end. Now, and across the red line, this will be cleared in from 100 feet, and Gustafson holds on with 8.06 in the second OT. Well, this is going to be very interesting <laughs> to see how this ends. Very much so. Oof. That shot, I don't even know what it was. The Guinea Dodonov, he lets one go, and this hit the paddle of the stick. It knocked it right out of his hands. Maybe it vibrated a little bit. Yeah, it hit the shaft of the stick. It looked like it was going to go in, but then it caught, it caught the shaft of the stick, and I wonder, very rarely you see shots go off the shaft of the stick. I remember that one time when Pekka Rene had that shot from one of the Winnipeg players go off the shaft of his stick. It looked like it was going in, but man. So Dallas gets another win from Jamie Benn, and they have this busy in behind the Minnesota defense, and they'll flip it now across the red line. Minnesota's really got to start pressing the other way. I know it's an obvious Wait. statement, but we haven't seen much of it. This is a chance now. Oh. This is a bad turnover, Stars! Minnesota wins! Oh, my gosh! My oh! The most ironic turn of events here. In Dallas, double overtime, we got ourselves the classic here. Write this one down in the Stanley Cup history books. But, man, it feels unfortunate for Dallas because you saw Joe Pavelski go down earlier in this game off that Matt Dumba hit. 
It feels unfortunate if you're the Dallas Stars. Game to witness another stellar effort from Jake Ottinger, and then you let that go to waste in over in overtime. This time in double overtime. So there's his own entry feed. Dallas is trying to clear this out, but they keep this in. Unfortunately for them, it was right in the slots where they keep this towards, and it's Ryan Hartman, the man who just came back from a one-game suspension in the regular season finale. He says, I'm back. That's absolutely crazy because five seconds before that I said Minnesota needs to get in the zone and make something happen. Well, they capitalized on a Colin Miller mistake. I know he didn't mean to do it. He banked it off of one of his own players. Ryan Hartman gets a chance in the high slot. And Philip Gustafson, for all the commentary that we get for Jake Ottinger and rightly deserved, boy, the opportunity certainly ratcheted up for him. Now, like in the back end of the OT in the third period, he made some great saves. He kept his team in the game just like Ottinger did, but Minnesota, man oh man, they capitalized. This has been one of the best playoff games that I'll remember in a long time. Thank you, gentlemen, for sticking with me. It was a lot of fun. Oh, you're very welcome. Oh, man, this game has been a classic. If this is just the first night of these Stanley Cup playoffs, <laughs> imagine what the rest is going to be. Especially because, uh, don't, isn't the first round matchup Rangers versus, oh wait, no, it's not Rangers versus the Islanders. What Rangers and Devils, that's going to be a good Rangers one. and Devils. Oh, even better. A, a rematch, okay, a long-awaited rematch of the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals. Well, I can tell you this, as we get set to close off, because I'm going to have to do the game story after this, I'm going to be pretty tired. I feel like after this game, I'll say this is a joke, I feel like I need a shower, because there was a lot of uh, sweaty hands on that side, and this has been one of those games that was very reminiscent of the one that we talked about between the Penguins and the Rangers last year. This one goes double OT, but I felt like there's been even more action, and I'd be hard-pressed to say of all the games in the first round, this might be the best one that we'll get, but I know I will be back tomorrow. It's probably going to be a basketball assignment between the Suns and the Clippers, but uh, we will be back on Wednesday when I think of another hockey assignment. I got the composite schedule out there, but again, thank you, gentlemen. We'll be uh, signing off officially because I got some other work to attend to, so I will catch up with you guys during the week. All righty, then.